Wes Buck Show. It's uncut, it's unfiltered. This is the show of shows. This is the biggest names in drag racing. No holds barred. Speaking his mind. I've never had a problem expressing my opinions, but what we're doing here is bigger than that. These are conversations that need to be had in an unfiltered way. Exploring hot topics. Drag racing's all I've ever done. It's all I care to do. And spreading the gospel of drag racing. I respect the history. I appreciate how far we've come, but I want more for this sport, and I'll fight for it. This is the great American motorsport, drag racing. The West Buck show starts in three two one hey gang west buck here drag illustrated magazine checking in it is wednesday january 11th 2023 hope you're doing well thank you so much for joining us here on the world wide web so we can sit around and talk about drag racing i tell you what somebody like pinch me every week i, I really have to ask myself is this our is this our livelihood to shoot the breeze about drag racing weekly? It's unbelievable. Thank you guys so much for being here. Remember, click like, click share, help us spread the gospel of drag racing. If you're following along on YouTube, remember to subscribe to the channel. Hit that bell to make sure that you're notified every time we crank out a new piece of content. We have a barn burner of a show lined up for you today. Long time, long time since we've had Donald Long in the house. The duck. The Duck returns to the West Buck Show. Big moment for us here today. Uh, excited to talk about Donald's uh, fast approaching lights out. No mercy coming up later this fall. I think we've got a big announcement that we're going to get from Donald today, which is very exciting. Then a little bit after that, we will be joined by the one and only tuner of the stars, Jeff Pierce, uh, a dear friend of ours, member of the Drag Illustrated 30 Under 30 alumni, to kind of talk shop, talk tech a little bit about the fast approaching World Series of Pro Mod. And then we will round, uh, round kind of call it a day with our friend Courtney Enders from Flow Racing. We're going to talk about all that they have going on this year, what we're going to be doing together in 2023, and everything in between. But anyways, before I get any further along, let me go ahead and introduce my co-hosts here on the West Buck Show, the ones and only Mike Carpenter, JT Hudson. What's up, boys? What's up? Minute, right? We're starting to get back into the, right? This is second week. Two in a row, the man. Year, in two a row. in a row, and here we go, buddy. Here we go. You guys doing well? You have a good weekend? What's up? What's good? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. T's got a couple weekends off from football now, or one, right? One, yeah. Yeah. One Five weekend weeks, off man. Football. Overrated. Yeah. You got you got to, you got till next season. Yeah, I got a, I got many many <laughs> many weeks many weeks off. Uh, <sighs> rough rough uh, 2022 and the beginning of 2023 for the Carolina Panthers. We're sorry, Mike. It got it got a little better. It got a little better. It did the, right. Yeah. Do you feel like you've got a coach? Not to turn this into a football uh, conversation, but are you feeling good about your coaching situation? Have things kind of has there been a silver lining to this rough 2022 23 season? Man. I don't know. We we did our typical deal where we're uh, not good enough to make the playoffs, but we're not bad enough to get a top pick. So just right there in the middle, we'll see what happens with the coach. We we got a good coach, but I think they're going to hire somebody, somebody different, probably an offensive guy. You'll be all excited, and they'll let you down again. Oh next yeah, year. I'll be all fired up, and then in a few years, I'll be cussing, calling yeah. for their head. <laughs> JT, are the Kansas City Chiefs going to the Super Bowl? Are they Super Bowl bound? Ooh, I hope so. I don't know. Sure looks like it. I'm they just gotta, gonna sit here. I, I'm gonna jinx, take care I'm gonna business, try to jinx the hell out of them. Yeah, they just, didn't. Why? <laughs> just talk me. about just man. Me, they're baby. so good. God. They're so they're unbeatable, dude. I don't think anybody can stop them. Oh, you are trying to jinx <laughs> it. You can you can get lost. <laughs> see if that oh, works. Man. I want to see if that. Works. I got to tell you guys though. When I look at like, this is a little bit of a very convenient segue to be honest. When I look at all, let, let's talk about the college football playoffs and the college football championships and just sticking oh, balls. Go sports. there. 
I, I don't really want to talk about the the absolute devastating loss that was suffered by the the Texas Christian University Horn Frogs this past weekend or not weekend Monday night rough rough deal man we threw what I like to call a modest rager at our house on Monday night and thank God because everybody was pretty well ready to go home there midway through the third <laughs> quarter that was, down by that was better than what the you rager can, TCU West, you have. I know how you I know how you work though you know as far as you jump teams and stuff you know you can go well I'm from Missouri and we're SEC and I didn't Georgia go West that far. West came out second half. West came out second half with a wardrobe <laughs> change. Jersey. He was in red yeah. and black. No, no. I'm not that bad. <laughs> I mean, I'm bad, but I'm not that bad. That's bad. I'm not changing jerseys mid-game. I would hey man, I went, Alicia and I got up um, Monday morning, went and bought some fresh TCU gear so we looked like we would fit the part. <laughs> uh, uh we we ended up throwing a party. Uh we had a Lyle bunch of people to over. Know. Lyle wanted oh, these no. details. It was but I, I mean, the reason I brought it up wasn't to talk football. It was to just talk production value because one of the things, and you guys have already become completely overwhelmed with it here, the third day of the week, the 11th day of 2023, I'm sending you guys these pictures and, and hand drawings or whatnot. My, my cocktail napkin notes. Down. He's, yeah, he's shutting down. slag down tomorrow is what he said. Yeah. Well, it's uh, the reason I'm excited. And when I see the college football championships and the college football playoffs and I see what the NFL does for the Super Bowl buildup, just the playoffs, just like this Super Saturday situation or Super Wild Card weekend. There's so much that promotional effort that goes in to these things that it, for me as like a drag racing promoter, I can't help but watch it unfold and just drool. Like, man, what I wouldn't do if I had that kind of signage budget. What I wouldn't do if I had that kind of production budget. I mean, do you see the videos, like the pregame footage and the pregame packages they're putting together? Like they had to have, I mean, they. so the game was in L.A., right? They freaking had all sorts of killer behind the scenes footage right here at the TCU campus. Kids getting on the bus, kids getting, walking into the locker room, they had walking like a GoPro the practice field. It's in incredible. It, like uh, like the ride over for Georgia. Do you see that in the coach? They're all just sitting there, like you know, getting focused. I guess they got their headphones in or something. And I just yeah. Every I, every angle. There's like that. seven. There's like seven channels of ESPN with all different broadcasts of it. I mean, when you have that kind of budget and that that number of people, think, yeah, it think is. How, think how big that team has to be. Yeah. To be oh able to do that God, because bro. I'm. I mean, even even you think because we always talk about oh we need more behind the scenes stuff, but you got to send a camera guy and probably production guy home with them and travel with them. We just have Blake. We'll talk about that with Courtney a little bit later in the show, because that is something that I don't think, I think it's easy for us all to sit back and be like, man, I wish we had more of that, more of that, more of that. Well, first, the most important piece of that puzzle is the Skrilla, right? Because it's expensive. I mean, as we go through our budget for the World Series of Pro Mod, I mean, I have to like get, myself ready to have that conversation because it's like okay we're paying this person this much we're paying this person we're doing this we're doing this we're paying for this we're buying this and it's like but just i also it's what it takes right it's what it takes just the travel and you know food and gas and rental cars and plane tickets just to get people to a race you know to to do the broadcast costs enough and then if you started sending people home with everybody you know so you could get some of these backstories I mean, well, they yeah, had multiple desks huge... going at the playoff or at the Budget. college football championships. They had the one that had Pat McAfee. That one had what? Five people. So you got 
five people and their entourages and that setup and all the little things, their little writers where they get this and they get that. Then they go down to the field and on the sidelines, they've got another desk with another couple, two, three people at it. And it's just, however, that's the reason, in my opinion, that's something that drag racing lacks. It's one of the things that I'm really proud of with this show. The three of us, there are times, I think we can all admit right here in front of God and the World Wide Web that you're like, man, do we got to do this again? Like, we, what are we going to talk about? Or who's, pretty sure that's every yeah, week. For every GT. week. Yeah, <laughs> well, maybe. But it's, it's, it is very hard, but it's so necessary, right? I mean, just that's where they win. That's where stick and ball sports beat us in like maybe motorsports in general so badly is Mike and I had a really fun conversation. And I think we can talk about this. And this will be like how we begin the show before we uh, bring Donald Long on. And I don't want to take anyone to task because I don't want to get in trouble. However, there's a real issue in drag racing where people are afraid to be a fan. Nobody wants to identify as a fan. Like I've said this, I've told this story before, but I think it, it it's worth repeating that you'll like walk through your local grocery store, right? You see somebody wearing, let's just say for the sake of this conversation, a John Force racing shirt, right? And you and I, I mean, you see it and you know that's a shirt they bought while waiting in line from a, on the midway. I mean, it's a fan shirt, you know? But when you walk up to them, almost 99 times out of 100, I would say, you walk up and you go, hey man, you, you a fan of, you a John Force fan or whatever? They're, they're quick to tell, no, 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 I... I don't tune it anymore, but I, I used to tune it. You know, I used to be, you know, I work with Austin Quill, you know, and we kind of bounce ideas off. Nobody wants to acknowledge that like, hey, man, I just a John Force fan. You know what I'm saying? Like it'd be or it's, the equivalent. It's, it, a lot of times it's like, yeah, I'm a, yeah, I like John. He's my guy, but I race super comp and, uh, and I got a super right. comp drags. And then it goes into that. It's like they always have to validate that they're a participant, you know? Right. Like my uncle and I were talking two weeks ago and he's, I, I don't mean to like air out our private conversation, but I'm like, Hey man, you come into the race, you're going to come down to Bradenton for the world series. And he's like, no, not, I mean, if we're not going to run, you know, the pro stock car, I'm not coming. I'm not a very good spectator. And I'm like, damn it. That's, that's the problem. That's the problem is nobody's a good spectator. Like everybody would rather, I mean, I don't know about with the NFL cause I don't want to be out there. We've seen the dangers of I'll that. The um, that's it. I'd take the paycheck, but I mean, of course it'd be fun to be on the field. It'd be fun to play in the playoffs, right? Or launch the ball, but that's not the reality of the situation all the time. And I think drag racing as a community, we need to kind of, we need to decriminalize being a race fan. Like it's not bad. It's actually really good to be a fan of our sport I mean, because that's, I mean, hand to God, I'm the biggest drag racing fan alive. I'm not, a, I'm not afraid of that. I'm not ashamed to admit it. Like, would I love to go race? Yeah. Would I, would I maybe consider like changing places with Alex Laughlin today when he's getting his license in a Nitro Funny Cart? Sure. But I'm completely content with waving the flag for the sport of drag racing. And I love this. I mean, I find myself, no matter what event I go to, PDRA, Midwest, NMCA, NHRA, if I can camp out on the starting line and just watch drag racing all day, I will do it. I love it. I love the environment. I love the intensity. I love the attention to detail. I love all these things about it kind of beyond just like burnouts and fast cars and loud noises, whatever. Great environment. But I think there is a little bit of a holdup that a lot of folks in our sport have with acknowledging or accepting 
being a fan. I mean, like the two of you, 10 times the football fan that I am or will ever be, maybe 100 times, you're not afraid to like rock your jersey and your Panthers gear or your your Chiefs gear and like go out in public. It's okay to be a fan. Don't you guys agree that it's something... There's a weirdness yeah. about that relationship, specifically in drag racing. Well, we've been around it. We we talk about both of our of our dads are that way, and most and uh, again, most people in drag racing are. But I think we're working to change that a little bit, and and that kind of reminds me of we need to plug some World Series of Pro Mod stuff. But the advanced ticket sales that we're doing online right now drop. We need to drop the link here in the comments so that everyone can go check it out. But we're doing a ton of advanced ticket sales. And I think that that's something new that's fan friendly, but everyone isn't used to. And it's, uh, we're doing a ton of stuff that to be more fan friendly with this event, because we recognize this issue. And I think that a lot of times you go into these races and it's participant driven participant owned, managed, and you sort of forget like that, the casual fan, like there are people that are going to show up here that have nothing else to do with drag racing all the rest of the days of the year, but are going to be here on Sunday at the world series of pro mod and are buying tickets online. So we're sort of gearing the event that way. You, you, you were talking earlier about how it's going to look. Uh, we're working on all that stuff right now. It's going to have a different production value. So there's just a lot of things that you have to do to sort of rope in that type of fan, in my opinion. And they agree. Been a long and time. That's where you know, street outlaws have, have like fully crushed us. I think T will agree with this. You guys have both been to street outlaw, no prep King event. And it's like, you go to one of those and the people in the grandstands they're they, I mean, there's nothing wrong with the fact that they're not like necessarily gearheads, right? Like you love it when yeah. it's a, it's perfect. It's an icing on the well, Sunday. Geared, it's geared toward that. And, it, and that's 100%. been the core of the, of their success is that it it take it takes a 180 from the typical approach that we think of when we're putting on even an NHRA national event. I mean, I think that they've gotten better and are embracing technology and different ways to present the sport, but how many times have we talked about, man, how many how many uh burnouts and launches or we always joke about the three-quarter launch shot photos, you know, how <laughs> yeah. many how many of those can we can we sit through before we get bored with it? Even even the most hardcore uh, participants, enthusiasts, and fans. So you, you've got to always be evolving. And I think that that's going to be something exciting that we're going to be doing at our race and sort of pushing that envelope. And they've done it for so long. Like if you look at the NFL or, or, or any sport for that matter, I mean, they've done it for so long that they've got the production side of it down somewhat. You know, they, they know that when they roll in, they know exactly, you know, they got their team set up. They know exactly what they're going to do. They know what looks good. They know what works. They've, they've done a ton of shit. I'm sure that does not work, you know, like, Booker McFarland going down on his cart back and forth. Oh, you know, I'm talking about Monday Night Football or whatever. You know they've done they've done a ton of things that don't work, but they've got it ironed out now. You know, and I think it's just I don't that know, real if you differentiation. Put on, you're going to, you know, you get they get a lot of at bats. I had that conversation actually with Jay Cox, one of our World Series of Pro Mod invitee drivers, uh, Monday, just about how one of the things that we struggle with is that not struggle with, but it's a harsh reality that we have to contend with is that we get one swing of the bat a year, right? So we get one at bat and we have our learning process. We have to be willing to learn from others. Like that's one of the things I preach all the time when people ask me like silly stuff, like read books, look around, open your eyes. Cause there's plenty of things to learn from going on around us. You don't have to learn exclusively from your own experience. You can learn from the experiences of others and you know, there's a great point being made in the comments right now from Drag Racing One Central. One says, I love JP. About, 
Yeah, that one as well. Chase Freeman in the house, <laughs> Thanks, uh, sucking up. I, I don't know what you're trying to accomplish sucking up to him. You need to turn your focus two cameras down. Um, oh, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, Drag Racing Central says in the comments here, in my opinion, all drag races that aren't NHRA national events aren't fan friendly. Like most of these pro mod races take hours to prep the track and end up finishing at 10 p.m. And it's interesting because there's a great convo to be had here between that comment and the comment immediately following that from Hank Hitman's um, that need to open up all the different classes and get more people engaged. And while I agree with both of those things, they can they conflict because that's one of the things that have been very difficult for us with the World Series of Pro Mod because I'm a more the merrier guy. Like that's my song and dance day in and day out. I'm always I always want one more. Yeah, come on, it'll be fun. Come on, it'll be fun. But in order to ensure that we don't have the race finishing at two or three in the in the morning, you have to limit the number of cars that are involved because it's most of the time, especially with our event, and this like isn't a shot across the bow at anybody, but we have been very strategic in the cars that we haven't gotten involved, the drivers we've gotten involved, the caliber of cars that we've gotten involved because we have to protect our fans. We have to make sure that we don't get our situation where we're racing in the middle of the night, which to me is a failure. Like we will, that's a failure for us. That is not something that I'm willing to accept or even run the risk of. So we had to pull back on the number of cars that were in, can be involved because I think it goes without saying that if we wanted to just kick the gates open and let it be a come one, come all affair, we'd probably have two, three, 400 cars across you know, pro mod on down through our sportsman categories. And that's just an unwinnable battle. One thing goes wrong. One car gets out of shape and tear, hits the wall or somebody oils the track and you, you can't recover. Very I difficult to recover. Yeah. And you fight well, it all weekend. There's, and so two I think things, that, there's two things about that. He said pro mod. I think he meant to say radial racing instead of pro mod when it comes <laughs> to the prep. We'll have to talk to Donald about that when he gets on here. And if there is downtime, You've got the West Buck show to watch on Flow Racing. They've been sticking that in there <laughs> instead of uh, tractors, tires squealing up and down the track. You've got a you've got some real quality entertainment. So, you know, the the, the days of the awful oil down situations maybe are behind us. But you're wanting, but you know, we've talked about this before on putting on a show. You know, you're wanting to put on that show for the fans, but you're also wanting to have a badass drag race. You don't want it to run till two a.m. These guys wouldn't mind a run till 2 a.m., you know, depending on the, the, the weather and the, the air and everything else. But you don't want those – you want the fans to be able to see some cool shit in the stands at a reasonable time, you know, before they How go How many home. times have we talked you about know, that, our We're like, Oh, my God. You know, it's fantastic and everything's rocking and rolling, going a million miles an hour, and then you start to get a little bit behind and you see the stands start to empty. Next thing you know, it's 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. People got lives, got families, got jobs. You know, they're going to go home, and the next thing you know, you're running your final in front of like 18 Sunday friends night and family. At 2 a.m. with 10 people in the stands, which is a damn shame when Saturday night it was packed out to the gills, standing room only. And they didn't get to see shit. And really. then, I and mean, then what do know? they go home? Or you know, they they try to stick it out. They want to see the race, and yeah. then they go home. And what are they telling their friends and family? And do they come back next year? Yeah, well, who won? Because, I don't know. I left. Yeah, I left. <laughs> right, and that's you know that that doesn't happen in a lot of other sports, but uh, it's it, when that happens, it's, it's it's a balance between you know, are we going to set records? Or are we going to have a badass drag race? Or are we going to put on a show? Doing both is very very hard. Um, 
there's some events that succeed in that. But I think with the advent of streaming and and social media and the internet, there is more of a focus to put on a show versus a lot of races that just happen in the dark, I guess you could say, with no live coverage, no no photos, no video, and they're focused on putting on the best race for their competitors. So it's it's a balance, and we're going to try to strike that at World Series of Pro Mod. I'm genuinely excited to usher in a new era, I believe, of the fan experience usher, at a drag usher, strip. Usher. Um, usher, usher, usher. I mean, for real, like whenever people and I, I'm not trying to sell tickets, but come to come be a part of this deal. Yeah, we because are. Because you are, there. you're never going to see. Drag racing has never looked the way it's going to look March third, fourth, and fifth. I can, I can guarantee you that. And the vibe an atmosphere that we will have created through a, a slew of really key decisions and key people, it's going to change things forever, in my opinion. And I, 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 I stand by it, man. Drag racing will never be the same. March 6th, 2023, everything looks different. There's a new standard. There's a new level of expectation because that's what we need is to create an environment that one of the things that are actually in the World Series of Pro Mod sponsor deck that we put together, there's a page in there that I'm quite proud of, and it talks about sustainability. The World Series of Pro Mod is built on sustainability. And I'm not talking about sustainability in terms of like recycling water bottles or yeah. going green. I'm talking about this sustainability. Nothing environmental. Nothing <laughs> environmental. environmental. Uh, I'm talking about sustainability in terms of the fact that this is without question the healthiest heads up pro level class in all of drag racing. There are so many of these cars. It, you can't even, it's very difficult to even number. I've said multiple times publicly, there are over 200 high level pro mod cars in North America alone. And that's turning a blind eye to the incredible things that are going on in Australia, throughout Europe. I mean, there's a lot of pro mod racing going on in the country or excuse me, in the world. It's a very, very, the inventory that exists here, it's, it's unlike anything else that exists in drag racing. Secondly, we have to create a fan experience that gets people coming back, right? That when people leave the racetrack, they are enamored, can't believe how well it went, can't believe how exciting it was, can't believe how much fun they had, can't believe how many people they saw. And that uh, as well is part of that sustainability model because we have to make sure that people are having a ball when they go to the racetrack. And I think sometimes as promoters and event organizers, it's easy. It's because it's that classic, the greasy wheel gets the oil, you know? So Oftentimes, your racer base, those are the ones you're listening. Yeah, that's what I meant to say. Squeaky wheel gets the grease. But it's like, you, those are the loudest commentary, one. right? Like you hear from it's your really, racers like, really greasy. oh man, we're running a little bit behind or we got to tighten the schedule up or hey, the track, we got to do this to the racetrack. That's all well and good. But man, we have to make sure the fans are having a ball. Like the fans, there was actually a quote Stevie Jackson said earlier this week. Um, that at one point we butchered, but we were able to rectify that. The, <laughs> the fans are the boss. And anybody who doesn't understand that the fans are the boss needs to look elsewhere for their entertainment or, or for their, their hobby. We have to have a great fan experience. And it's something that we have really tasked ourselves with, to be honest. Like, how can we grow that fan experience, improve that fan experience, and just ensure that people are foaming at the mouth 
for the next time they get the opportunity to come out. So anyways, guys, uh, before though, we, our, yeah, our writers, our writers thought that, that he said the fans were the balls. They're both, man. Yeah, and, they are. Uh, and, and Stevie's mom called me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was good. Yeah, that's how we started yeah, our week. Yeah, so we we edited it. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you hey, to Kayla's defense, if you just send some of this, some of these recordings off to a transcriptionist, there's no telling what's coming back. I mean, oh, yeah, depending the, on uh, where that racer is located, I mean, if they're a South Carolina, Georgia, yeah. if they're in that neck of the woods, you you better check, double check, triple check, because you may quote Stevie Jackson as saying the fans are the balls. And get a phone call from his mom. <laughs> I don't see anything wrong with that. I actually like that version better. Yeah, I do too. The I balls, feel like we should, we should stick with it at this point. You know have. what I mean? Um, maybe we'll have to have like a ball zone or something at the World Series of Pro Mod. Anyways, guys, uh, before I get any further along, I do want to remind you all that each and every episode of the West Buck Show is brought to you by way of our friends at Stroud Safety. Stroud Safety is known for their top-quality racing safety equipment from drag chutes and seatbelts to fire suits, gloves and blankets, all 100% made in America. Log on to stroudsafety.com today and make sure you tell them we sent you. I'm actually headed up to Stroud tomorrow. I'm going to go up to Oklahoma City, spend a little bit of time with Tommy and Anita and uh, workshop some ideas we got coming Sweet. together for World Series of Promo. We got all sorts of stuff cooking. But before I ramble on any longer, because we can certainly talk about fan experience and Promod race, and I want to bring on a, a guest that is long overdue. He all but moved in to our our show in the early days, right? Remember, JT? Oh, yeah. We would have Donald oh, yeah. on, I don't know, every 42 hours, 48 hours. Like, I mean, every couple <laughs> days, like Donald's I mean, coming he, back on and we're defending something or we're fighting about his something. Face this color one time. Yeah. Remember that? In his truck. That was an all time great. Spray painted. When he spray yeah, painted his face red, that was a classic one. <laughs> oh, you know? shit. How do you I don't that get on, that kind of truck? sun anymore. You know, <laughs> I don't get that kind of sun anymore. It's kind of sad. I need to. I need to rectify that because I'm looking pretty pale here on the World Wide Web today. I don't know, man. But anymore, look, yeah. Pretty dark. Yeah, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's just my that's just adrenaline and blood in the spotlight <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, in my three, face. Three pots of coffee. Yeah, I have had three pots <laughs> of coffee today. Yeah, I have. I drink a lot of coffee, folks. Anyways, guys, without any further ado, I believe we're going to get a major announcement out of Donald, and let's give it up for this guy, the one, the only, all-time great promoter in the sport of drag racing, the one and only Donald Long. Wes, you're still the ball, buddy. I'm the ball. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Tan or not, super tan or not, you're still the ball in my uh, in my view, buddy. (laughs) Thank you, buddy. I appreciate it a lot, man. Um, So hey, we got a lot of stuff to cover, man. (laughs) Go ahead. I uh, I missed the uh, I missed the Stevie Jackson with the ball deal. <laughs> I guess I must have missed that one. So, <laughs> that was intentional, guys, buddy, because yeah. we fixed it quickly. Yeah, uh, we fixed that bad boy quickly. Obviously, uh, obviously you guys uh, got in trouble with <laughs> with whatever happened. <laughs> yeah, Stevie. Not too bad. This is a true story. Mom. Stevie's mom called Stevie and and asked him, <laughs> "Hey." What, what does it mean when you say that the fans are the balls? And he's like, that's not what I said. I said the fans are the boss. And so anyways, it became this whole thing. But he thing. said it and, in South Carolina, boss. The fans boss. are the boss. And so oh. the recording, what? it was definitely uh, up for debate. What he it, said. Was a ballsy, it was a ballsy piece at the end of the day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah if, uh, if, if Stevie was in the, if he was in the full-time, no-time, grudge, dracer, gap, 
the whole gap thing. It could have came out anyway, for sure. It could yeah. have, man. It could have. Well, so, hey, um, before we start bending your ear just about all things drag racing, I think you've got like a fairly significant announcement to make. I, I'm, I'm like, always excited to make some news here, baby. So so what do we got, Donald? What's what's up your sleeve for 2023? Well, you know, since I was um, 14 years old, basically, and I um, was sitting around with my magazine and I'm not talking about Playboy or Hustler. I'm talking about auto parts magazines before you guys start getting a little too carried away on me and um it was one of those deals i'd sit there and order parts and i never really um i never really thought the fact that uh we would have um summit racing actually coming on board as the uh the title sponsor for duck x productions and lights out no mercy this year and uh, i just want to thank them guys for um john and jim and uh al know for coming on and um and really helping duck x productions Congratulations, man. That feels like a really big deal. I'm with you, dude. I remember I'm having like a flashback to being in art class and sitting at my deck. And would you, I don't know about you, but I had an LT1 powered uh, fourth generation Firebird when I was in high school. And I would go through there and like circle. I wasn't in the, I wasn't in the, I wasn't in the Chevrolet's partner. Yeah, I know. You're a, I, trust me, your I DNA says, your, your email says it all. For <laughs> DNA uh, at AOL.com. <laughs> Well, easy with the AOL, man. Come on now. But no, seriously, like you said, you're you're sitting around, you know, and you're and you're circling stuff, you know, and it, it's like you're you're on this wish list of, you know, what you want to save up for. And it was back, you know, it was back then, of course. Of course, I don't know if some it was good on this deal, but I would take my check and if I made two hundred and thirty dollars this week, two hundred and twenty five of it was going to summit, and then whatever I could spend on food for five dollars, you know, to get through the week. I mean, how does that make, I mean, you, you touched on it there, but when you think about all that has happened, I mean, we're a long way from lights out one and all the, the, how far this has all come. It's almost unbelievable. Did you ever feel that there was going to be a time when you had a major uh, player in our sport step up to be a part of your race? I mean, I know you've had plenty of sponsors over the years, but like you said, that's a big brand to have cast their vote in your favor, Donald. Yeah. And, you know, listen, let's let's be real. I mean, you know, I've been um, one of those deals where, you know, some people are afraid of me a little bit, you know, with the, um, you know, the bigger uh, the bigger companies and, you know, the political all the political stuff that goes along with it. And um, we've um, obviously tried to uh, calm down our ways a little bit. You know, I still want to be duck, but I um I definitely would love to have, you know, the, the big corporate sponsors on board. And, it you know, it's come for us to uh, to pull, you know, somebody like Summit, which has always been my, you know, childhood, you know, go-to magazine, you know, besides Playboy or Hustler, obviously. Um, it's one of them deals where it's um, it, it's just really cool, man. I, I really uh, I can't thank them enough for and 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 John's put in so much time um, to try to make this deal happen. And, you know, they started coming a couple um uh, probably a year or two ago, you know, actually coming to the races and, and they've always, I can remember back lights out three or four, my dad would be driving back um, from a NASCAR race and he'd be like, Oh my God, I can't believe this. You know, in, uh, in Georgia there, you know, they have a, uh, you know, lights out on the side of their billboard. So for me, it's just been like, a, it's been a long road and I'm just, you know, I'm really, uh, really thankful. When you look back at all that has happened, you know, going back to those first few events and, you know, some rainouts and really tough, it felt like the racing guides were 
almost trying to run you off there for several seasons in a row. And you were constantly tasked with like taking the high road, doing the right thing, paying the purse, splitting it amongst everybody. I mean, is there anything that you look back and maybe like big lessons, perhaps, especially as you've kind of evolved? Because you made your name as something of the Howard Stern of drag racing, willing to say whatever and kind of ruffle feathers. But have you learned anything or what, what has that evolution been like, Donald? <laughs> well, you know, it is funny. I, I do think I do think back on that a lot. And um, and, uh, you know, we had a lot of great times and there was a lot of controversy. Um, and I do believe that there were things that need to be said when there were when there were promoters out there and they were um, taking these racers money and the and, and the fans money and, and just, you know, obviously just cut and run with the deal or, or they forgot their 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 paid the um, you know, their checkbooks or or their purses or whatever it is that they had going on. So I believe a lot of it uh, needed to be said at the time. And uh, we were just trying to do what we felt was better for the sport and to uh, to make people accountable. And and that's what we were trying to do was make people accountable and obviously, you know, obviously make a, um, a name for ourselves along the way. Do you think what has been the biggest challenge before you joined us, Donald? We were talking a little bit about the balancing act that is required to keep your racers happy while also keeping your fans happy. It's no secret that radial racing at the highest levels is requires really great track surfaces and a lot of time and energy put into prepping the track and making sure that, you know, the racers have a fantastic uh, surface to compete on. But what, what kind of lessons have you learned over the years, you know, balancing those two things, keeping your racers happy, but also putting on a great show for your fans? Well, I think back a long time ago, it, it got into this, um, it got into this whole big contest about trying to set records all the time. And, um, and that got going between me and other promoters at the time. And honestly, I, I mean, I love the records and all that stuff. It, it's cool, but it's really not what I ever wanted. I think if you go out and you set a new record every week, um, it, it, just, it, it'll end up killing whatever class it is. It just keep going faster and faster and faster to where you'll get down to only a couple, a couple teams that can compete. So it kind of, I got kind of caught up a little bit because you'd have these other promoters and they, and these other tracks and they, and they wanted this whole, um, to come in and try to take what I felt like we had created. So they would come in and they were only worried about trying to come out and who had to track records and who had this, and they'd be testing at two o'clock in the morning and singing Kumbaya, waiting for the, the weather and the water grains to get right and stuff. And I'm not sure that was best for the sport. Um, I mean, it was some fun on the internet, but I don't think if you take a, if you take a class, like it's just like your World Series of Pro Mod, right? If every time that they... They set out there, they set a new record. How long would it be before there'd be teams that couldn't compete? You know, I don't always think setting a new record every week is a good thing. I hope people are listening because I think you just spoke like you spoke the gospel right there, Donald. And we were having a conversation a couple of weeks ago talking about you and like how your legacy in the sport and radial tire racing and what has happened. And if you think about it, when we first started covering really focusing at drag illustrated like a lot of time and energy on radial cars they like the baddest ones in the country uh david wolf i mean they're running like 430s and within a decade they're running yeah. high 340s i mean they've picked up a second in a in 10 years 
I think that is, I don't know that that has ever happened in any other walk of racing. I mean, I'm talking out my ass. I don't know if that's true or not, but I've never seen it. And you think about how fast it evolved so fast. And it was almost like there were teams leading that evolution, but every time it ratcheted up, you'd lose a few. It ratchets up a little bit more, you lose a few. And I, I got to be honest, man, we've had that conversation a lot with our team in that I don't really care how it's interpreted, but we don't need to be chasing records. I don't want to go down to Bradenton and be content, you know, uh, what's committed to blowing the scoreboards down. Like, I know that's fantastic and it's great when it happens. If the stars and moon align and somebody sets a record, fantastic. But to your point, Donald, your race has got to, there was a period of time there where the record was reset every time you opened the gates, quite literally. And it's not sustainable. That's the problem. It's not sustainable to do that every time, um, you know, week in and week out. And if I would have been just the only person doing the radio thing when it like it first started, I think we would have been on a on a more um, a smooth, you know, flatter surface type, if I, for better lack of a better term. Um, but what happened was it just went straight up, right? And everybody was competing against me. Um, and you had people come out of the woodwork and it was all this, it was, it got more instead of a promoter, it actually turned into who thought they were the best track prep guy in the country, right? We had people coming out, even if they didn't put on a race, you'd see two, three o'clock in the morning out there trying to reset records. And it just, it got to a point that obviously you can't, and, and honestly, nothing against, this is no shot at any big tire car in the world at all. But I promise you, if I wouldn't have put the total brakes on RBW right now for the rules, I honestly believe, I, I know this seems crazy, but Stevie Jackson was actually one, you know, he said he thought, you know, 330s were actually, you know, could happen with on that tire if we would have just let this thing keep going. He, he said he thinks the tire is that good. So us holding it even to like back in the 350 range right now is just so we could try to build car count and to, to be fair you know and and we want side-by-side -side racing i don't care about another record as long as i'm promoting drag racing i i honestly don't but if i could see 20 cars you know and even pro 275 going 369 or 370 that would be awesome, you know, because at max effort, you want every combination to be able to compete. And in RVW, the way that it was getting, you just couldn't slow it down. I mean, you couldn't stop it. So, and that's just, it just hurt RVW a lot. Now, um, that being said, we're in a rebuild phase of RVW. We were on the phone with like 20 something people the other day. Um, great support now for RVW again. And I think if we keep it in that 350 some range, we can do that, but you can't, you can't open it up, Wes. I agree wholeheartedly. And I'm glad to hear you say that. And I, I don't know if you, uh, well, actually you, you, you get it. Uh, I sent you a few months ago, I guess it would have been middle of last year or the fall of last year. Mark Woodruff was on the cover of drag illustrated, illustrated Woody and just kind of talking yep. about like what would Woody do was kind of the theme we the angle we took oh, yeah, with the story yeah. mm -hmm. and it was cool to hear him expound yes, on I read it or really hear about how passionate he is about that home run derby type of racing I mean he loves that I want to have the opportunity to go out there and set my personal best and set a record and set the world on fire and I think that there's a place for that but it's really hard to do it like on repeat. So do you find yourself kind of considering, I got a couple of questions I want to ask you, but 
do you find yourself mm-hmm. considering maybe pulling back on how often you run that class? Or, I mean, I know you don't, I mean, now that you have the series and you run, you know, you're competing for a championship, but or is there a way to kind of focus that energy on a single event? Like maybe lights out pays more and or you run it very specifically for setting records or how do you find, how do you feel you're going to manage that over the long haul here? I really don't. I really don't want to have any race where we're going out trying to set records. I, I really don't. Now, I like to um, I like to give those guys a lot of qualifiers, um, not really for setting records, though, is more for everybody to be able to get that the field tightened up. Like there's nothing better. And you know this, you're you're, you know, your class pro mod. They have a very tight field. Right. And so I would want to see it where, you know, take whatever take pro 275 if it was 369 was number one i'd want to see everybody between 369 and 372 and if you give them five or six qualifiers they start getting a handle on it and you can just tighten that field up and so there's no uh for lack of a better term there's no ducks i guess is what uh is what i would say i mean hey man especially with these cats that especially with some of these racers that don't race you know, weekend and week out, you know, 20 races a, a year, they need that opportunity, in my opinion, to kind of, all right, we got to work the bugs out. We haven't, you know, we haven't been out in a month or two, you know, we got to kind of go through our, put our team through its paces and everybody gets settled in. And then, like you said, you get that field really close together. One of the things you touched on, and it kind of is, is a solid segue, a conversation we had last week on this show was the explosion of popularity in drag and drive. Um, all these kind of variations of hot rod drag week we've seen them you know sick week tom bailey put together sick week down in florida um and in the southeast this deal has taken off and it seems like i saw something last week that there was nearly 20 of those races on the schedule in 2023 and as someone who has kind of endured and and experienced that where everybody's kind of jumping on the bandwagon like oh look these guys are making all this money with with drag and drive events, now we're going to start do them doing them ourselves. I mean, how do you interpret that? I mean, I'm sure that was hard in the moment to be like, hey, man, we basically brought radio racing into the limelight, and now there's 20 other promoters trying to get in on what we've created. I mean, do you see that as a potential pitfall for that type of <laughs> racing where it's going to get oversaturated I, real I, quickly? I, I I do, and that's what I felt like happened with RBW was that everybody. I only want to do it three, two. Well, I only want to do it twice a year, and then you had everybody was a promoter, and so and and everybody wanted limelight on them, so they came in, and um, and then next thing you know, they want to start putting on eight or nine of them, and and that's when. Um, not to interrupt you, is John from Summit waiting or anything? He was supposed to come on here with us, and I didn't know if he was on there or anything. I haven't seen. We haven't seen him. Not yet. He's not in the no, green okay. room. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, it's okay. He might. Um, but I um, I I think that yes, I think that when people come in and and obviously that sick week was a great thing, and I think that then if you get a whole bunch of people and they just start trying to piggyback it one after the other, it, it definitely you don't you don't want that. You really don't. Because you've I mean you've literally lived that experience where. Because it really was. I mean, because here's an argument in the it, comments. But if these <laughs> events keep selling out, because there's a, a drag and drive uh, commenter here, if the events keep selling out, there's clearly a demand, right? Yeah, but I think my opinion it, bef- and it I'll, won't though. It, it won't forever. Like I don't think it's sustainable, right? Where it's 
all right, hey, I would rather have it's these not. races sell out and a few people be left out. And that sucks. That's the worst thing in the world. But you would rather have that than what's going to happen inevitably in a couple of years. More and more of these races will not sell out because it just it's just unfortunately, I, I believe it's the way that it works. Yeah, the, the thing is, is that just because it's great right now, right? That doesn't mean you come in, like you said, you oversaturate the thing, bam, right? right. And and yeah, that first year or so, th they might all have a whole bunch of people that come to them, but that'll go away. It'll fade away. And all you're doing is just hurting the whole thing, you know, the, the whole part of it. Cause it was a, like, it was a really cool deal. And, but you can't have 25 real cool deals of the same exact thing. Right, because it's no longer a really cool deal. You know, I, I have this yeah. conversation sometimes with, with fans or, or friends in the industry that like to look back on the, the glory days of various sanctions and series and different events. And it's like I find us as a sport oftentimes like chasing, chasing ghosts, like chasing the ghost of how it used mm -hmm. to be. Well, hey, this shit's over. Like it was great. <laughs> But that that deal, yeah. it's different now. Like, and we can't we can't burn ourselves up trying to recreate moments. We need to create new moments, new experiences. I think our whole sport suffers yeah. from this. I found myself it, over the off season. Everybody wants to write a story on what used to happen and how it used to be, and some old guy that used to race and be successful. And that's great. There's a place for it. But if you turn on ESPN right now, they're talking about what's happening this weekend, what's happening next weekend, what's coming up. But drag racing, we're like laser focused on how it used to be. It's weird. <laughs> yeah, um, you can't. And it's just like with us, like we're wanting to add in new classes, right? You can't and you, you don't want to stay complacent. Um, you know, I'm wanting to see, you know, what other new classes are out there. You know, what's you know, because here's the whole thing. Most of the racers are still here. They're just, you know, and they are, they're moving around. There's different classes that they're going to, you know, maybe they can't complete in our, compete in RBW anymore. Maybe they can't compete in Pro 275, but there's other classes out there. So I want to find out, you know, what is that cool? Because there's a lot of great, cool classes out there, not just RBW and Pro 275 or, or worse as a pro mod. I mean, there's a bunch of awesome stuff out there. So, and I, all I really want to do is put on a great show for everybody. Um, and I don't really care, you know, if we have to move them around and there's five or six or seven great classes, um, you know, even like we got pro trucks now, you know, a lot of people love to watch the pro truck class. Um, so it's just, you know, with me, it's like, I don't want to, you know, live back at, you know, lights out three, four or five. Those were great times, you know, and great classes. But, you know, like you said, those days, you know, certain things are done and that's just the way of the world and the way it works, you know, and, and chasing records is as far as I'm concerned, I'm done chasing records. I never liked that whole deal. You know, anyway, I, I want to see side by, I want to see if it was Stevie Jackson and, and Keith Haney or whatever, like whoever's going to be out there. I want to see side by side action all the way down the racetrack. What do you make of, what do you think the hot new thing, I mean, what's on your radar? Well, actually a couple things. First and foremost, your first series champions crowned uh, in 2022. I know you had the banquet coming up here in a, a, this weekend, actually, but uh, had to push that back. I think a, a solid decision across the board. But can you just kind of reflect on what it was like to, 
to do a series of events for the first time in your career and what you've learned and what you have uh, planned for 2023? And I mean, are you excited about finally arriving at a point where this is a touring series and world champions are crowned? I don't know. I'll let you know. <laughs> I'm, um, I, listen, we had, I had a, I had a great time with it with um, with Eric Dillard and Proline, and uh, without those guys, I w- I would have never even attempted this deal. Um, everybody wanted to go after you know a championship, uh, you know, crown everybody, and um, it's way more work than I really want to be involved in. But with those other with everybody else involved in it, it's not as much work on me, and that's the only reason that I really wanted something great for the for the racers and. It was a really people didn't like the double some of the racers didn't like the double points at the end but just the excitement it brought uh over at the at the last race of the year and people coming back from third or fourth place to get up to first or second it was really a cool time i was glad to be part of it um i you know i'm good with just doing my couple races and that's why you know we are piggybacking you know victor alvarez was nice enough to to come on with us street um, he's put in a lot of money for this thing. Um, you know, Monty's going to come out from Yellow Bullet. You know, Mo Hall got that deal worked out. So I'm not really putting on any more races myself. Um, and, and they're responsible for, for their race. It's for the race itself and everything. But it, it's cool to take the big races, right? Those, those top five races in the country as far as radio racing goes. And, you know, and put them all together to find a champion. And I'm, and I'm proud to be part of that. It's been pretty cool to see, to be honest. And I actually am a big believer in that concept, that approach of just working with other promoters that have strong events and adding a little bit of value, bringing something else to the table. I think that's a really, really great way to do it because I you're going to have a much more successful event kind of teaming up with the Yellow Bullet Nationals, teaming up with the U.S. Street Nationals versus you trying to put on another race. I mean, it's such a a big undertaking putting on one of these events that I'm not sure everybody fully appreciates at times. Um, Curious, one of the questions in the comment, which is a great one, what do you make of this traction compound situation? I mean, traction compound, the old sticky ickies, uh, perhaps no more important uh, to anybody than it is radial racers. Is this something that you're kind of keeping your eye on? Are you concerned at all? I mean, what's your take on the traction compound situation in America? I'm 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 really not cuz I'm really not concerned um about it at all. I I felt like the whole traction compound was like the deal where everybody's chasing down toilet paper and uh and covid and covid shots. I mean I I really I never thought anything else um except for that. Um and every time that we ever need anything, you know, there's always plenty there. So I I don't know how that deal even got going. I don't, I mean, honestly, I think that was more, in my opinion, that was someone yelling fire. That's, that's all that deal. And I don't know who's making money on it or what they got going on, but I've just, we've never had a problem um, uh, getting it. I mean, you know, I mean, hell, Scott Tidwell buys it by the 18 wheel truckload. I mean, he's got <laughs> enough to, you know what I mean? He said, oh, I'll just buy enough that way we'll get the whole series for the whole year. So I'm not sure where the whole, you know, I, I honestly believe it's a fake 
like a supply and demand deal or something. I, I really do. I, I don't, um, I'm not sure how much truth. I see all the stories about it, Wes, but here's the deal. If I need 15 drums, I just call and get 15 drums, right? So <laughs> Scott wants a hundred drums. He just calls and gets a hundred drums. You know, I mean, you know, nobody, nobody got poo on their finger running out of toilet paper. And I don't think we're going to have any issues with uh, glue on the racetrack, bro. I mean, I'm just being honest, you know, man, I'm, I'm glad you said it because I was, I mean, I was fixing to, but I, I'm not saying, I think there are some concerns and I think there's some issues. Uh, but at the same time, man, I'm really yet to encounter anybody that's had to like cancel you know what I mean? Or really make a harsh decision that didn't want to make aforementioned decision, right? I think it right. became something <laughs> that was easy to lean on. Like, oh, we're going to cancel this race that has historically been a loser for us, you know, because we don't have any glue, right? And that's how it kind of felt to me because I, much like you, I rang a whole lot of phones when those stories started coming out saying, hey, right. if I want to order a, you know, a tractor trailer full of, of glue right now, can, can you take care of me? Yeah, absolutely. I was yet to, you know, right. nobody told me that was the case. And it was, I mean, and to be honest, I can, I vividly remember in the mid 2000s, uh, putting on races that I knew weren't going to do well. And I, this is sad to say, but you would almost sit back and like pray for rain because you're like, oh, God. the best thing that could happen is this deal get rained out because I'm about to take an L of epic proportion. And it felt like these these uh this track prep or this traction compound situation kind of became a new rain like oh we can just cancel this deal and blame it on not being able to get glue who's going to question us yeah i mean listen i i don't really know i mean i had someone you know i helped out one guy I called and and i went ahead and called somebody else because i had i actually had i don't know say racers but i had people calling me all the time going hey man i got Two or three drums over here. I got two or three drums over here. I I didn't see it, Wes. I mean, I didn't see the toilet paper deal. I didn't see the COVID deal. The I mean, I mean the COVID tests. I mean, you look at it now and you can't give them away. You know what I'm saying? And I I don't know. You know, is it a deal to raise the price on glue? You know, I I don't know. I know that I know Stephanie came home the other day with a pack of like eight toilet papers and it was like twenty five dollars. So I mean. <laughs> We're down to the three square rule now, Wes. <laughs> <laughs> the three square rule. So, you got to count them out, yeah. right? Everybody gets so like I, X I amount. The, I guess that it kind of goes. It's probably good that I don't care about records because we just won't use any glue. <laughs> uh, so how have you uh, – so you talked about you know kind of calming down, and this will be – we'll cut you loose after this. I appreciate uh, you being okay. so generous with your yeah, time, Donald. I, I was trying Seriously. to get uh, – I really wanted to get um, – well, hey, John from Summit and them guys, John's John's a Fody, a friend of Drag Illustrated. He hung out with us in our okay. suite at the Motorplex. Yeah. So anytime John wants to come talk drag racing, okay. I'll we'll make sure he again, knows. Maybe. We'll get him on here again in a couple of weeks. Any, anytime he wants <laughs> okay. to come on. Uh, but All I'm right. curious, like you, you talked about kind of evolving as a promoter and, and calming down. I mean, we've seen you call people. They, I mean, we've seen Donald do a lot of wild and crazy what? shit and it's been super Whoa. fun to watch, but, but did you, uh, I mean, was there a point when you kind of decided that like, ah, I got to calm down with some of this or is it just getting older I, or, or, or what, what I, has, cause I you definitely, we are definitely I, seeing a different version of Donald. Yeah, I think I've, I think I'm just getting old Wes and I'm getting tired. Um, seriously, I'm just, 
I'm getting older. I'm getting tired. Um, and you know, it's like, um, you don't mind when you, when you need to fight to fight, you know, you're, you're ready to do it. And, and it, listen, I know you would do it too. If, if me and you was sitting here and every week there was a promoter out there screwing over the racers, me and you would bring it to the light, right? We would be there going, Hey, listen, you know, you can't go over here screwing these people over, you know, you can't do this. You can't do that. But I don't know if we really have that much of stuff going on anymore. Are there people, you know, cutting and running like they used to i mean if i start seeing it i guess i'll have to go old school duck on them or something but um but uh you know i i don't know maybe maybe just not wanting to fight all the time wes you know what i mean just not wanting to i want to put on a great show i want to put on great races um but maybe with a little less drama it's tough, man. I mean, and I think that there's a certain amount of that drama that is like very beneficial, but it's such a tough, it's such a dance, right? And I, I think that you did a good job. One of the things that I remember whenever we would, fir- when we were first getting to know each other, I would have people ask me all the time, man, is that Donald guy? What's he like? And I'm like, well, he's really nice. He's like, he's got kids. He's like a fun, easy to be around. Like, but they're like, well, on the internet, he kind of seems like, and it's like, well, it's an act. And I thought you did a good job of kind of putting on that show on the World Wide Web. But you also did a you, you, I think you had buy in of your racers as well for a long time where they knew like, hey, he's probably going to give me some shit on Facebook and I'm going to have to kind of own it because it's mm-hmm. it's good for the gander, so to speak. Right. It, I mean, and, and it is. I mean, and there was some people that was great about it. You know, Keith Ferry was great about it. Keith Haney was great about it. Stevie Jackson was great about it. Um, there were a lot of characters in there. And and that's, you know, and I, and I miss the characters. Um, I, I don't want to get back to where there's no characters. And, and that's why, you know, I want to start playing with some of these guys a little bit. I just don't want to go to the extreme I used to. Um, and I think that we all have other uh, responsibilities in life, you know, um, I, I love doing rental business. I love doing other things that I have. And to to do what I did before and just stay on the internet eight or nine hours a day and, and making videos and stuff, you know, it's it takes a lot out of your life to do that. And um, I want to put on great events. Um, I just can't put all of that time into it that I that I used to do. What, who was your like who's your favorite guy to go back and forth with? When you think, I mean, because some of the Keith Haney stuff was hilarious. Um, <laughs> you and Dwayne Mills had some big, some big ones. Uh, who was your favorite, looking back, to like go back and forth with on the internet? Um, well, Stevie Jackson can dish it out as good as he can take it. So you got to put Stevie up there in the top couple. Um, the Keith Haney deal and the and the videos and. Um, <laughs> I don't know. There was some pretty funny Keith Haney stuff. So I'm going to, he's right up there too. You know, Uh, I mean, he's not like way up there tall wise, but I mean, he's right up there (laughs) as far as, um, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) He's up there, but not up there. It's saying in the same token, you know? Yeah. It's hard to do. He's up there, but not like literally up there. uh, Yeah. He's not literally up there, but he's, he's up there. So, but, uh, but those were fun times. And I used to love, uh, Lenko would make all the songs about everybody and then see how much trouble we could get into. Um, and you know, I'll tell you, so I, he wasn't a racer, but, um, I loved going back and forth with, uh, Gene from North star, uh, 
talking about is, uh, you know, they'd sit out there and sing Kumbaya and, and set records at 2 a.m., you know. So, I mean, that was uh, that was some fun time, too. Demonic Denton, we always call it that place. Demonic Denton, man. I actually miss that place. It's right down the road from me now, and you drive by it, and to think that of all the stuff that happened there, and now it's just, it's like a, I think it's like a trailer court or something. It's kind of, it's a little bit heartbreaking. So last question before we cut you, cut you loose, Donald, looking forward, who's your big stars? Like, who do you think are your guys that have a little bit of that Stevie Jackson in them, have some of that star power? When you look at, you know, your current crop of RBW or pro 275 pro truck, who, who's your guys that you think you can really build something around? Uh Oh, we lost him. He was getting a call. Hey, Wes, sorry. Sorry, somebody called in. Are you there? Yep, we can hear you. Um, I was just curious, like, who do you think, like, who's a star in the making for you right now? Oh, man. Uh Uh-oh, did we lose your audio? I lost We may have. It's all good, Donald. We'll, We'll talk to you soon, buddy. Seriously, thank you very much. I don't know if you can hear us or not. JT, you can try to get him back if you want. Hey, guys, real quick, while we got a second, I want to remind each and every one of you that the West Buck Show is brought to you by way of our friends at Redline Synthetic Oils. Redline has a reputation with racers and hardcore enthusiasts for creating products that perform and protect better than any other on the market, and they've been doing it since 1979. Whether it's your race car, your tow rig, your motorcycle, or your lawnmower, when you think about lubricants, you need to think about Redline. For more information, log on to redlineoil.com dot com guys uh it was good to hear from donald i don't know about y'all but it's been a minute and to see him yeah i mean he does have a great perspective on so many of these things yeah it's a a new new donald the new new improved maybe maybe improved donald it's definitely interesting interesting to hear him talk about his toilet program paper. evolving. Well, yeah, toilet paper mainly. That was the <laughs> yeah. primary concern. Toilet paper is critical stuff, man. Very, but, very much so. <laughs> uh, how his program has evolved, how he's evolved, and how he promotes it, and how you know we we bag on radio racing for the prep and for the home run derby nature of it, and how he said he wasn't ever really a fan of that, and that it kind of just was a, like a runaway freight train type situation, and reining that in has been a challenge. That's something that I don't know that we've ever heard him say publicly. No, I I never heard that before myself as well. And I think that it's, it's great to hear that from him because I think in a lot of ways, it kind of gives me a little bit of a renewed confidence in the future of radio racing, right? Like maybe because I, I, the examples that I give quite frequently are the one that I go to the most is NHRA pro stock. Now, granted they made some fairly wholesale changes uh, a few years ago when they went to the shorter wheelie bars and they went to the went to EFI. But for the most part, since what, the late 80s, NHRA Pro Stock has been 500 cubic inch, naturally aspirated, gasoline burning, clutch, five-speed transmission. I mean, at 2,350 pounds, the, the framework hasn't changed really since the 80s. And granted, I think an argument can be made that it would be cool to see the cars a little faster or whatever. But but what's better for me, in my opinion, is how many cars there are because of that, because of maintaining that relatively level playing field, right? Keeping it relatively close, close as you can make it. I think that's more important than giving racers an opportunity to go set a record. Like if that's what you want to do, they have speed week most years out in Bonneville 
head west and go land speed racing because that's the place for that that type of mentality. We've talked about that exact thing with Mountain Motor. And that, to me, that's the ultimate example of stuff staying the same for at least 20 years now, right? And the record, the the three-second barrier has yet to fall. We've been talking about that for 10 years, uh, but it's still an exciting class. And and we've talked about many times how guys can have stuff on projects for five years and then a race comes along that they want to run and they can, they can get that thing ready and be competitive. And, uh, you know, we're, we're big fans of mountain motor and, and are going to have that as part of our event as well. Uh, and the strength of that, that class shows in the fact that it's been, the same stuff for for a long time. I mean, there there have been there's they're always trying new stuff, and there's there's guys that are at the top of the heap and at the bottom. But like you said, for the most part, the the baseline has stayed the same for decades. Well, I saw a comment there, and I don't know if JT you can find it, but like well up in the comments a little bit ago, somebody mentioned, you know, how do you contend with racers' desire to always be going faster and always be pushing the envelope? And, and I think that it's just you got to be weary of like which master you're going to serve. I think most of these racers, of course we all get excited about, I mean, I remember going bracket racing with my dad and he didn't care if we lost in the first round because he broke out by four tenths. If it was the, if it was the best pass he ever made. Cause I mean, I vividly remember riding my dad's old Kawasaki Bayou down to the top end after he lost in the first round again at some local yokel drag race. And I'd get down there and I'd be well, I'm sorry, Dad. That sucks. Broke out by you know three hundreds around. He's like, no, that's our best run we've ever made. That's what everybody here knows. We got the fastest shit on the property. I don't care if we broke out or not. And it's like you want to embrace that to a certain extent, but at the same time, what I think is better long term is fostering an environment where there's a lot of people that feel like they've got a chance. You know, and that's actually yeah. one of the things that I want to have uh, that I want to talk to our next guest about. Fresh off what has been a couple of seasons of really, I mean, not that we've been on we've been on the level with this young man for quite a while. We've been fans for quite a while. I've known him for almost 20 years. But to see what he's accomplished in the last couple of seasons is very difficult to comprehend, especially uh, at his young age. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, let's give it up for Tuner Extraordinaire, one of my good buddies from right up the road in Oklahoma, the one, the only Jeff Pierce. What's up, buddy? How's it going, What's up, man? Up, Jeff? It's going How's good, it going? man. What's or, that? What's that over your shoulder? What, oh uh, yeah, sneak peek. It's, oh yeah, this right his shoulder. Yeah, <laughs> what's that got, one? Got some new race star wheels in. Oh so. yeah, loads of fun. I know what those are. Uh, <laughs> I, I guarantee you, I can guess the dimensions of those. But anyways, uh, Jeff, welcome to the show, man. It's been a minute. You you probably heard. I saw you in the green room there for a little while, and I'm curious. Can you can you talk about that a little bit? I mean, you've seen it quarter mile racing you've seen it on the regional local levels at track like ozark international and all throughout the midwest but really recently with the midwest drag racing series pdra i mean this is a conversation you and i have had that's why the eighth mile is so important because it bunches everybody up do you think that we're right are we on to something by focusing more on competition and less on chasing the next record yeah I, I think so. I think I think anytime you can level the playing field, it's good. Um, it, it's one of those things that we finally made a swap from a nitrous car to a blower car because of that. Um, we're trying to chase rule sets and 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 stuff. And I think if you if you're not so big on trying to set a record and you slow everyone down, it's easier to keep parity. Um, you know, I'm I'm a diehard nitrous guy. 
Um, but it, unfortunately, nitrous is really hitting a cap. And um, unless we see a group of people who invest a lot of money into <clears throat> astronomically bigger motors, you're not going to see them get a whole lot faster. And because of that, you're, you basically have to set the rules around your nitrous combinations. I think it's interesting that you mentioned that. And Mike, you're not going to get out of uh, commenting on a little bit of this. So JT, bring him back. Um, we've been having this discussion off and on for the last like two months. I believe that is the harsh reality that if we want to preserve nitrous racing and maintain its place amongst pro modified, we're going to have to pull every back to where they are because Again, we've talked a lot about this, but I don't know that we've seen a more impressive performance recently than that of Jim Halsey's at the Snowbird Outlaw Nationals. I think that that many good runs, that many runs that close together, the work that they put into winning that race, I think that that was a career. I mean, for a guy who's achieved it all, four-time world champion, I still think that that was, an, that was a career-defining moment for Jim Halsey. But let's be honest – there are very few people that are prepared to do what that group of men and women did. I mean, Jim, Eric, Brandon, Schweitzer, everybody that's involved with that team, they worked like dogs to pull that off. God knows how much money they spent, how much stuff they tore up. I don't know that that's sustainable. Uh, Jeff, I'll go to you first. I mean, do you agree? I, I agree. I actually had that conversation with somebody this morning that they – you can't you have to give them credit where credit's due. They are willing to do whatever it takes to try to run at the, the given rule set and make a nitrous car competitive. But that is not an achievable goal for the masses. Um, you know, one one would be, you know, obviously funding, but two is is just the sheer willpower. You know, I know for a fact because we have run nitrous cars. When we get to the fourth or fifth time we're pulling heads off of a motor in one weekend, all my crew guys are about to kill me. You know, they're like, hey, guy, you got to you got to fix this. You, we need a couple runs here where we're not pulling the heads off. And and we've all had weekends like that. But those guys, uh, Brandon Schweitzer specifically, he knows how to take it right to the edge. And most of the time when you try to take it to the edge, you end up running slower. But Brandon knows how to take it right to that edge. And he's like, hey, guys. And, and as far as I understood it, this was a plan that was set in place before they came to the track. We are going to tear this motor apart every run or every other run just so we can make sure every single part in that motor is perfect every single pass. Um, and got to give them credit, but it's definitely not achievable by the masses. Um, you know, and obviously for your race, West, when you put that kind of money up, every single team that came, is coming is going to put that effort in for that kind of a race. But it's not it's not a every single month when we're running pro mod races people aren't going to work that hard. It's just, it's just un, unsustainable. You know, it's like running yeah. top field. I agree. Mike, uh, your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's, it is hard to gauge everything off of one team that is at the top of nitrous, which is they're an outlier, right now for sure. Yeah. They're and back in the day, uh, Shannon Jenkins, Mike Castellano, they were the outlier. And I try tended to point to those guys and say, well, these guys can run within a few numbers of the blower cars. So the rest of you, you know, need to do something. And unfortunately, I don't think that that worked out how they intended. And it sort of bred the whole new wave, eighth mile racing, separating the cars, ADRL, the whole deal. Uh, but it's it definitely Halsey and his team are great racers. And with the most experience of any team out there, maybe outside of Todd Tuttero or some of these guys. And 
Halsey himself actually posted a photo last night. It was a photo of his Castrol GTX Corvette back from the early 90s. And he said something like, back when I was the young kid, now I'm the old man. And it just shows that experience pays off, especially on race day. Uh, we were looking at the numbers and the, the Snowbirds were an incredible race for many reasons. But one reason is because the top five cars were the five power adder combinations uh, of, that were running at that event. But Halsey was still number five. Nitrous was still the, the quickest nitrous car was slower than the quickest of each of the other combinations. So they definitely need a little something. It'll be interesting to see how that evolves and what comes of that. But right now, I think that they need they there, there is a little bit of a gap there and they need a little something. But it, we certainly have to sort of plant our flag and say we're going to do what it takes to make sure that nitrous cars can show up to this race and still be competitive. So we've, we've taken that into account and, and have been kind of watching this whole deal. Uh, and it will certainly be interesting to see what happens uh, March 3rd, but we've lost another great nitrous team in you guys. So I don't, I don't, I don't even know, you know, we, we can't even talk about that anymore. But can't I talk about it, bullhorns anymore. Like we used to, we used to joke I mean, with to you your guys's point though. I mean, I think the reason that you lose run and, and your dad, Dave Pierce, Jeff, uh, as nitrous racers is that is an unrealistic it, it's not a way for you guys to race because the the dirty little secret and even i'm hesitant to say this out loud the dirty secret the elephant in the room is that pro modified is the highest level of grassroots racing right i mean it's and that and everybody gets those the that phrase can be interpreted a lot of different ways and it's not meant to be derogatory at all it's just a harsh reality that Pro mod is like the highest level of sportsman racing. And these aren't people by and large that are earning their living drag racing. So we have to be careful and it's hard to do to build these deals around Todd Tudorow, Stevie Jackson, Ricky Smith. It's, you know, that's a very difficult thing to do. And it's, and it's amazing what Jim Halsey and company have been able to do as people that don't race full time. But I mean, that they are certainly an outlier. And if you're measuring everybody against that and you're trying to build it around those teams, in my opinion, you know, we're, we're three, four years away from begging people to come, you know, but when you keep it reasonable it is tough to say out loud when you're talking about pro modified racing. But if you can keep it within the realm of reality and pull those other combinations back to where nitrous racing is kind of like comfortable I think that's the answer. I really do. I think we could have decades of really good racing, a bunch of cars that can routinely run low to mid to high 60s. I think that is something that with the technology and the parts that exist today, the quality of products, uh, parts especially, because that's one thing we kind of forget about going from all this cast stuff to billet everything and how much better everything has gotten. But I mean, that's a very... I mean, you can buy, let's be honest, you can buy off the parts or off the shelf parts and run 360s, not maybe 360 flat, but you can run, you can be in the conversation. And that to me is healthy because when I go back to what we were talking about to start the show, maintaining the fan experience, you got to have, you got to have nitrous cars there. <laughs> like, I'm not trying to sound like a nitrous homer or whatever, but it's diff that's the magic that's the lightning in a bottle that is pro modified and the last thing we need is top alcohol funny car with doors and that's where this shit is headed across the board 
you know, and I think we have to be weird because I don't think anybody racing top alcohol right now is just thrilled with how things are shaking out. You know what I mean? So we have to protect our community from that outcome, in my opinion. And that's slowing everybody down just a little bit and making sure all these combinations can race and race competitively. What do you make of how important is the eighth mile to this whole conversation, Jeff? Well, it's funny you asked that because I was just thinking that is one of the things that I think has saved pro mod racing as a whole is you look across all the series. I think we're down to really just more or less one, maybe two series in the, in the United States that run quarter mile anymore and they don't have huge car counts. The eighth mile makes it where if you don't have the latest and greatest engine, but you got some wits about you and you can tune a car, you can still be competitive. Um, you know, the blower car we did, that's not the latest and greatest piece of equipment sitting over there. That that car's 12 years old. The motor's six years old. It's all stuff we just kind of found and piecemealed together. And, you know, luckily with some good friends, I was educated enough to make good, smart purchases. And we put that thing together and it's competitive and it runs well. But um, that definitely is the eighth mile side of things helps that. It, it makes it where the racing's tighter. You have no time to screw up. There's no more, hey, I'm going to pedal my way to a victory. It's rare. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I love a good pedal fest, but pretty much if you're having to pedal in any of the in any of the pro mod stuff we race, you're going to lose because you're not going to pedal and outrun the other guy. It's too close to racing. Um, and so it's definitely eighth mile is very important. I think it also helps the 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 stair step effect because pro mod if you go look, you can find places where, you know, probably now it's more like 390s, 40s, but like local tracks are running 390, 40, 8th mile programs, and then they stair-step their way into running 360s and racing at PDRA or Midwest. Um, and that's, I think, you, you asked the question earlier in the week, is Pro Mod the, the, the conversation piece for drag racing? And I, I think it is. It stood the test of time. I mean, it was the late 80s when Pro Mod was kind of more or less born. And the fact that you can you can go spend $60,000 and go buy a piece of junk pro mod and race it at your local track and start to get that experience versus going into, you know, quarter of a million, half a million dollar programs. Um, that's what it takes to have a class that's going to stand the test of time. You know, it's not just, Hey, I got to go spend $3 million and drive, drive a top fuel car. There's no way to stair step into top fuel. I mean, that you kind of do it through the alcohol ranks, but it's still not the same thing. So I think it's just a really, really important thing that we have the eighth mile outlaw stuff. I, I couldn't agree more. And it's really important for this. There's a lot of things. I took some flack. I got a couple of messages from people that were fairly heated over that comment I made. And I mean, I stand by it. When I look at Pro Modified, I do think that if there is a, a brand of drag racing that we can really take to the moon. I mean, let's be honest. I don't want to, you know, go down kind of a wormhole of what ifs, but I mean, nitromethane, I mean, you like, you got to buy that shit from Homeland Security. I mean, how long is that really sustainable? You know what I mean? Like, I hope it is for a hundred. I mean, I hope and pray that I'm dead and gone before they stop racing nitro cars. But when I look at our sport right now and I go, okay, what is something that we can wrap our arms around and grow? It isn't cheap, but if you're a small to medium-sized business owner 
You can afford to do this. If you can put some of your buddies together, I mean, think about the situation with, with Ron Minix and your father. And so, there's so many examples of that where, hey, I got a car, you got a motor, so-and-so's got a, a Turbo 400, you know, and you can piecemeal a program together and go race, not at the NHRA, PDRA level, but you can go race you know, your local regional events and be somebody and be guilty by association, have pro mod on the window. And I don't really see that anywhere else in drag racing. I mean, I no, like Well, a good example of this is I, you come from being a hero of pro stock. I grew up watching pro stock thinking it was the greatest class ever. And I still like pro stock. But the fact is, is how do you get into pro stock? You know, it used to be comp eliminator. Comp eliminator is not what it used to be. And now it's all four and six cylinders. But if you, what do you drive? that's going to have a, a naturally aspirated V8 with a clutch and a five speed, there's no stair-stepping class. It's either you just got to go, you know, you know, get a sponsor or make your money and jump into it. You know, there's yeah. no stair-step at all. Um, ProMod is definitely. And the, I mean, let's think about that as well, because it, there's also basically, and I this is another thing that's probably going to get me in trouble, but whatever it is, what it is. If you're going NHRA pro stock racing, you're just red or blue. Like, you know what I mean? Like you're either running elite or you're running KB. I mean, and there are some other options, but like to go run at the front and compete with a championship, you're going to have to throw yourself into one of those camps and that's all well and good. And it's really worked well in NHRA pro stock, but pro mod, it allows the, what's the word? Uh, uh, it starts with an I, the one off. Um, oh, privateer like it's that you there's still an opportunity for the privateer racer to be like you know what i'm gonna do it my own way i'm gonna build a 98 millimeter twin turbo deal and i'm gonna build my own combination and i'm gonna get heads done by my local guy i mean there's still some room for that right and i think that that's that's an exciting thing it it really is to have a place that a team can go do their own thing you don't just have to buy a cookie cutter program to be competitive you can do it your own way there's plenty of options if you want a you know store bought front running program there's op there's options for that a lot of them but i do think it's important for drag racers who are the an innovative envelope push, pushing bunch it's important for that group to have a place to go race and i think that that's i'm hoping and our part of our overall goal with the world series of pro mod is to just identify this style of racing as a marquee attraction i, I think we stood back for the last several years and watched as street outlaw no prep kings became like i mean it was basically lyle barnett said this in an interview recently where he said the way of the world right now in drag racing, if you want to be like a pro racer or a big name, you're either racing a nitro car, which is beyond the realm of reality for most people, or you're going to Street Outlaws No Prep Kings, and that's a exclusive invite only gig, right? Yeah. And it's more TV show than it is competitive, you know, a, a more than it's a competition. So and I'm hoping World Series of Pro Mod brings elevates pro mod racing across the board so even if you don't race in our event you will be guilty by association if you race nmca extreme pro mod people will go oh do you run in that world series no but that's the kind of car that i race yeah exactly 100 and it, it's funny you bring up no prep kings because i a friend of mine started this conversation on facebook and kind of got ridiculed for it but his point was no prep kings is pro mod with with more stock appearing bodies that's all yeah. it is it's the same, you know, the, you could pull the power plant out of most of those cars, 
drop it in any of the pro mods sitting behind me and go be competitive in a pro mod class. So it's not, it, they're not, the cars aren't different. It's the same stuff. It's the same tuners tuning a lot of those cars, you know, and stuff. It's, it's one of those things that it's just a matter of they're on national television. That, that, that helps. I mean, you know, it's, it's, we don't, it's hard to get a following unless you put yourself in front of people. You got to put yourself in front of people. I could, and it's tough because like we're in HRA pro mod and this is probably, it's a specifically unique beast because of the quarter mile, because of the level of competition that exists there. I mean, there's no higher level of pro mod competition than exists at, at uh, in HRA. I, I um, will disagree with that hundred percent West. Well, I'm that, telling you. And we'll find out because you invited. Yeah, we're going to find out. Yeah, I think they're going to get their ass whooped by some of the safe mile guys. So. Well, and I hope that's the case. And I and I want World Series of Pro Mod to be the the shining example. I want it to set the the high water mark. But I do think that you know there's I can name and I I won't because it, it's not a fun conversation to have. But there have been plenty of people throw their hat into the ring over at NHRA and they're going to set the world on fire and they go to one race and they're never seen again because it's a different deal, you know, and it's actually even gotten more different um, with the Ricky Smiths and the Stevie Jacksons and these high level pro racers who earn their living doing this and Mm -hmm. they can, they can apply a different level of like intensity to what they're doing because they don't have anything taking their, their time away, like another business or whatever else. But I do think it will be the NHRA situation that they've created. And it's everybody's guilty to a certain extent, but it's like that classic, the juice isn't worth the squeeze. Like to go race there, you're going to spend crazy obscene amount of money. You're going to travel coast to coast in some instances, and you're not going to get the, the, the visibility that you're able to achieve doesn't match the investment required. And that's why you see people like Alex Laughlin who ran in HRA pro mod or Lyle Barnett, they have to turn their attention to like nitro or pro stock or something that's going to get them on network television in front of a multi-million person audience because they can't get, I mean, NHRA pro mod, God bless it. But you know, your session may get canceled right? Or they're going to change the time of it. Or sorry, guys, instead of running you at the pros, we're going to run you at nine in the morning. Well, you've got the CEO from whatever Dr. Pepper with you. And he's like, well, why aren't we running when all those guys run? Well, you know, you're, you hit the nail on the head. You hit the nail on the head because I've done budgets for teams to go run PDRA or NHRA. And literally the NHRA is, is almost exactly double. Um, between the extra travel, the fact you have to go somewhere else to test because NHRA won't let you test at the same facility, all these different things. And you're doing that. You're spending twice as much money to be the fifth, sixth, seventh priority class on the list. Whereas you can go run these other series and you're one or two as far as priority in classes. And you're going to spend half the money. I mean, it's just simple math. Like very few people. That's why they are struggling to continue continue to keep their pro mods other than the guys that just really are hey i'm a diehard nhra guy i want to be on nhra um they're that's why they're struggling and and it's you know parity is one of the things but that's not the biggest thing the biggest thing is how how can we make this not cost our teams as much but nhra struggled with that for a long time because pro stocks complained about that for years right and they had to basically protect racers from themselves 
put an RPM limit in place because that's where it if shit gets out of control, it's typically valve train related. I mean, a lot of the times it's RPMs start spinning these things more and more and more. And every hundred RPM, I, I would say, extrapolates out to tens of thousands of dollars. And they had to, you know, they had to curtail that with with NHRA 500 inch pro stock by, you know, putting a rev limiter in place. And I, I don't know what the answer is with the NHRA pro mod racing specifically, but I got to tell you a big step in the right direction, make that. And I know there's all these other things and there's, I don't know what the argument is, but you got to put that shit on TV. You got to put these, you got to put them in front of a big audience. You got to make them part of the main show. They have to, because it's very difficult to go out and sell the sponsorship and generate the revenue required to race like this. If you don't, if you can't bring big visibility and I think even the top fuel and funny car teams contend with that. I've had, I mean, I don't know if Leah Pruitt would be thrilled that I was airing this out or not, but I know at one point in time she had told me that's the biggest issue that they have is it costs more money to run top fuel than I can raise in sponsorship because the ying doesn't match the yang. Like, okay, it's going to take us $3 million to do this, but we really only generate enough eyeballs and exposure and sales to get like a million or $2 million sponsor. So you've got to be independently wealthy to bridge that gap. And that's what I think is so important about what we're doing with the World Series of Pro Mod is it's going to give guys that maybe don't even want to be pro racers an opportunity to go race at a pro level, be treated like pros, to your point earlier, be the number one priority, yeah. right? And what people are going to find March 3rd, 4th, and 5th, 2023 is we're going to have people swinging from the power lines down there. I mean, we've got tickets sold to 140 different cities, multiple countries around the world. This thing is going to be a, like, the after, I mean, the important people that we're going to need is the fire marshal, because that's where this deal is headed, is like someone to corral the humanity that's going to, to show up in Bradenton, Florida for this event. But my hope is that we can give racers an opportunity to go sell a sponsorship just because they run this one race. Yeah. Like, oh, you're in that race? I will say this. I've been to three of your four races. Got lucky enough to win one with, with Oaksis. I am more excited about this one than any other. I'm telling you, Wes, like I know you've been to pro mod races before and stuff, but I promise you eighth mile PDRA style rule set. This is going to be the coolest pro mod race you have ever put on. I promise you that Wes. Oh, well, thank you, Jeff. And I, 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 I believe you. And I, cause I know that I come off like a psychopath or like this super biased and I'm obviously a promoter, but Mike Bowman threw it in the comments a moment ago. You will not be able to call yourself the best in the world. If you don't win this race, the best pro mod racer in the world will win this race period. Yep. Period. 100%. Well, Hey man, a couple of little closing notes and I appreciate your time on a Wednesday afternoon, but how about getting married? Congratulations, Thank man. You. It looks like you had a big old time. Um, you're, you're just growing up on us, buddy. I am. I am. I am. So yep. Me and Samantha tied the knot December 31st and easy date for me to remember. You know, that's important. same here. Do you know that that's my anniversary as well? No, I, I got married. Not yeah. Alicia and I got married on new year's Eve 10 years ago. So ten we're years 10 ago. years ahead of you. Yeah, we celebrated our 10-year wedding anniversary uh, a couple of weeks ago. So yeah, man, that's a great, easy to remember, not a not a drag racing weekend, which is what I told Alicia. Whenever we first started talking about it, she's like, I just love the idea of like a fall wedding, September or October. And I'm like, nope, sorry. Those are real important months in the world of drag racing. So we will not be doing Same that. Exact 
conversation with me. It was like, oh, a fall, you know, wedding. And she's like, what, what weekend would be good for you? I'm like, basically, you're going to have to look around December, maybe early January. And she's like, oh, like New Year's Eve. I'm like, yeah, that's perfect. There we go. <laughs> it's perfect. There's no race guaranteed, man. Uh, no, it's uh, a fantastic thing, man. I'm really happy for you. Getting married was the best decision I ever made. So uh, I'm very happy for you, buddy. It's going to be great. Is, Sam is Samantha going to come with you down to the race? Oh yeah, for sure. Okay, for fantastic. sure. If you don't want to miss it. We're we're road tripping it out there, and um, you your know, dad put something on Facebook about me not knowing something that he knows. You're not bringing a nitrous car, are you? No. Okay. No, no. no the the blower cars kind of got got my heart anyway. Right now, Dad's still on the fence. He's not so sure, but but the blower car is definitely coming. But uh, got got four cars in it, so I'm really excited about that. I'm going to be running around like a chicken with my head cut off, but it's going to be a good time and. Um, hopefully we do well. well. I hope so too, man. Hey, seriously, Jeff, all these years, it's hard to believe two punk ass kids from Missouri or Oklahoma and Missouri. We, I think our paths first crossed, uh, in the water box at Ozark international raceway yeah. in Rogersville, Missouri, man. Um, and we were both some dumb kids helping out our pops go drag racing. So it's kind of crazy all these years later. Exactly. It's awesome, man. Thank you for having me on. No problem, man. Let's do it again. Thanks a bunch. Ladies and gentlemen, Jeff Pierce. I'm the only one clapping. Where's Mike and JT? Jeez Louise, guys. All right, guys. I want to remind everybody really quick that each and every episode of the West Buck Show is brought to you by way of flowracing.com. If you're a drag racer or a hardcore drag racing fan, you got to get on board with Flow Racing. The world leader in sports live streaming, Flow Racing provides unlimited access to drag racing's biggest events like Donald Long's Lights Out, No Mercy, and Sweet 16, every stop on the PDRA, PDRA and NMCA tours, streetcar super nationals, and much, much more. Personally, flow racing is a fixture in my life. I'm able to follow along with multiple racing events from the comfort of my own home or while I'm on the road. The platform provided by flow racing is changing our sport for the better, and there's no limit to the good they can do here. So log on to flowracing.com, join the movement. Mike T, I think we've got at least one more special guest on deck here, right? Speaking of um, flow racing being, being a fixture in your life, we've got yeah, more no of that joke. coming up. Ladies and gentlemen, without any further ado, she's been waiting patiently in the green room. She's here to talk drag racing with us, and I think she can chop it up on a bunch of the stuff we just covered. Let's give it up for Courtney Enders. We'll back you up. What's up, guys? What's up? What are you doing? Some cowboy boot shopping, or listen, you never know what my background's going to be on a set, right? Like, no, we right. are here at the at the Dallas Western Market. I came up here, drove up. Uh, much people think that Fort Worth and Dallas are the same town. I drove it today. It's not hour it's and a half to Dallas, um, and we are here with the Quadras and Erica, and Richard, and Jenna, who's going to be helping them out next year, and just kind of getting like this. Seems like I set this up, but I'm sitting at a desk in this huge room. There's a bar, there's quadras everywhere, there's thousands of boots, and and I'm just chilling in the corner watching the West Buck show. See if, see if they can make like me some see if they can make me some Jordan one cowboy yeah. boots. Dude, we're getting some, some ostrich crew, ones. Crew I got some new ones today. Custom oh, python. Well, I really want like, Jordan one cowboy boots. <laughs> Don't go. We got stuff home. coming. We got stuff coming. <laughs> well, I'm excited to hear that. Holy crap. That's a lot yeah. of cowboy boots. But let's oh, talk everyone. about that. I know it's amazing. I saw some photos that uh, Scott Woodruff posted on social earlier. Um, kind of take us through a little bit. I know that it's not as much your uh, responsibility as maybe it once was, but we were talking a little bit about the NHRA pro stock landscape, and we basically are at a point where there's like two super teams. Would you agree with that? I mean, you've got most of the fields split across those two categories, those two teams. 
and no end in sight by all accounts, right? No, I think the, the light at the end of the tunnel was maybe the Titan Motorsports deal with Camry and them, but you know, they've, they've hitched their giddy up to KB, which is great with, with Ken leaving and all that, but it's, I think it's, it's a double-edged sword. You know, you know that they're going to be successful. You know that they have the capacity to keep adding drivers and adding cars like this meeting we just had with the Quadras. It's, it's insane. The capacity that once you do have a powerhouse and you do have an in-house engine program as successful as the one that we have and that KB has that it's just the sky's the limit. So um, I can see both sides of it for sure. But, but pro stock is as alive and well as it's ever been. My, my Florida no time guys will appreciate that alive and well. Alive and well. What do you make of the NHRA switching their uh, their approach and, and starting the season in Gainesville? I, I can't help but be excited about it. Like, I always felt like that was the start of the season anyways, and that's probably shitty of me to say out loud, but that's kind of what it felt like. Or is that a good thing for you, or what's your take on the NHRA season starting in Gainesville? Aside from just personally, me and all my guys ready to go racing, it has just spread out the workload of what we have to do. We're actually able to have a personal break that was Christmas, but usually we're doing hard card stuff. We're doing fire suit stuff. We're doing hero card stuff. We're finalizing sponsors, but we got to take a breather before January one hit. And then now we're able to, to just roll there and, and letting the winter kind of die down. It's the world, the winter nationals. I don't want to take anything from it. It's incredible. It's one of the pillars of the sport, but it felt like a warm up. It always feels like a warm up. You know, it's, you got to wait a few weeks in between all these races. And so just, compacting the season and just making us a literal seasoned sport rather than you get Thanksgiving and Christmas off. I think the, um, the freshness of everybody, and I know our guys in the engine shop are excited with as many pro stock cars as we have. I think it just gives everybody a little breathing room and just the ability to the Gator nationals, not that they could get any bigger. It's bigger. It's crazy. It, it, it is. I don't know how that event gets any bigger because it, that is, that is one of the, NHRA national events that I find awe inspiring. Every time oh, I go to that race, favorite. you get stuck in track. Like, the buzz that exists in the surrounding community, even in Indy, it, I think it rivals Indianapolis. I really do. Like that, maybe that event's bigger, like in terms of participation and car count. But as far as like going into a Dollar General and the lady checking you out knows knows you're in town yes. for the Gators. They know what it is. They know it's a drag race. They know where it's happening. It's kind of crazy to me, and I don't experience that in many other markets, to be honest. No, and it's kind of wild. I just thought of this right now. It's I remember being at the Gator Nationals in 2020, coming straight from our race. I say ours. It was ours then. The Door Slammer Nationals. Coming straight from there over to, to Gainesville, we were unloading the cars as the world shut down. And it's kind of poetic that it's taken a year or two. You know, we've been out of COVID, all the things, but there's no more COVID excuse. There's no more oh, well, we're getting back into the swing of things. And I think 2023 is like our full gung-ho. We are back, everything. And it's poetic to be starting back where it all shut down. But but having, calling it the Gator Nationals, I know this is, you know, branding. I love branding. But giving it a mascot, my God, that goes so far in it. Like we're putting the Gator, like John Force Racing puts a Gator emoji in their post. Like there's no other race that we do fun, cutesy stuff like that. And it's it's a bucket list race for everybody. And I'm pumped. I've, I've told our team a lot, like you've heard that phrase, death by a thousand cuts, right? It's like all these little things get you. I think success has had much the same way. Just, I, I told my guys, it's like success by a, t a thousand details. It's just these little things that you don't think matter, like a alligator emoji 
or a, a hashtag that everybody's using. Like it's just these little things that one after another, they start to compound and it makes a huge difference. And I, I agree with you. And it's hard to, what do you make of the challenge that exists now that you're getting like some real experience in other motorsports, going to the Chili Bowl or going to that race in the Gateway Dirt National, um, all these different events that you're getting to kind of have boots on the ground and experience firsthand. I mean, do you have a like a newfound appreciation or newfound respect for the challenge the NHRA faces doing 22 races a year and trying to keep all that going and trying to keep interest alive for basically nine, 10 months. I do. It's, it's monotonous. Isn't the right word because I love what we do and it's different every time, but it, it is in a sense monotonous. And so I think that compacting a season like we are is going to help as well because attention span is just that attention span and creating our season to where we can start a little later and all that stuff. But I, I also think that it's just, I've, I've seen the challenges, but I've also something that I didn't expect was it opened my brain. Like I've, I've always been, you know, what else can we do? How can we build these brands? How can we make this race cool? How can we put Jason Logan in front of the tower to make people do the, the shuffle or whatever? But my brain just exploded at gateway of the potential that we have because give everybody some background for the people that don't know what you're referring. Cause I didn't even, when you told me about it, I had to Google it. Shame on me. Um, <laughs> no, I did too. Give us a, yeah. Give us a little bit of background on the event that you're talking about specifically. And then, and then the impact it had on you. So a little plug here, but I mean it, you go to flowracing.com and you can search by event. You search the gateway dirt nationalist, the content, forget the race, the content that they put out, the pre-race show, all the things. So it's, um, it's late model is the main show. It's a, it's a very compacted show where it's three days in the dome, downtown St. Louis. They have to start the cars outside of the facility to bring them in because of fire marshals in there and air quality has got to be shut down and all that. But it was, they, they had me go to this as my first dirt race because it's different than any other race. And I think it's almost like maybe the world series of Prohod where they don't have, you know, the sprint cars, they don't have the Kyle Larson's there where the late model guys get to be the show, but it, it shows the world that the late model guys are the show because they're the personality, they're the grit. But if you just take a minute and go look at some of the content, uh, uh, of what they put out from there, flow runs that whole race. So dirt on dirt is a company that Michael Rigsby started, I think like 15 years ago. And he's now higher up in my company. I joke and say, I want to be the Rigsby of drag racing, not a joke. Um, but they put this thing together from start to finish where the flow producers and the on-air talent are in charge of the driver intros. We had them come to the media room. We're shooting the cool preamps and all that, but it opened my brain to if the sanctioning body gives companies like flow or straight line media or Corey McCallick, the creativity and the balance to be able to do this kind of stuff, how far behind the NHRA really is and stuff like that. And I don't mean that in a mean way to Nikki or Amanda or any of those people, because they bust their ass for the capacity that they're allowed to, but allowing other companies and other teams and other people like flow who appreciate this to come in and do something like that it blew it out of the water and it just made my mind just go crazy. And I came home and I think everybody at flow is so mad that they let me go. Cause I now use gateway as a verb. I'm like, dude, we got a gateway this. you know, we're thinking of media day for PDRA and stuff like that. I'm like, we got a gateway. And now that I know the capacity of what the resources can do, shit they better not let me <laughs> so is that and this is this will be the third time these words have been used together on our show late model 
Um, is late model, like I can't even believe I'm saying it out loud, is late model, like, is that very unusual, forgive my ignorance, for them to be the star of the show like they were at the Gateway Dirt Nationals? I think. Okay. I, um, I think it depends on the track because a lot of, and I'm, I'm totally stupid when I think, when I talk about this stuff too, like I was a sponge, but in my opinion, and Blake Scott on my team, you know, the sprint cars are the, are the stars and that's where the Tony Stewart's and the Kyle Larson's are coming back down and racing those. But these late model cars, like they're huge, they're slanted. When they go back into the pit, they're hitting them with hacksaws and hammers like the, the way that they service their cars they're banging the fenders from the inside out with a with a rubber mallet and i'm just like what is that oh they're just servicing and so i think and somebody in the comments or something can can um direct me here but in my small opinion of what i've watched i feel like late models weren't i mean maybe they should be but like even Kenny Wallace was there racing the, the midgets and all that. And oh, they yeah. were behind late models in there. Kenny Wallace put on a crazy show, but it's, I think it depends on where they're at, what kind of track, who's running it of what that run of show is going to be. But how it was just the midgets been, and just late models. Well, it's interesting because like, how hard has it been for you guys? And when I say you guys, I want to talk about like the Enders girls, like the sisters. So from, from day one, the plan has been to like, foster the growth of Erica's career as a race car driver, right? And I'm curious, did you guys ever get to a point where you felt collectively that she was going to need to do a different style of racing to achieve, I don't know what, maybe the financial, you know, stability that she wanted or the, the career she wanted? Like, was there ever a moment when you guys go, okay, if we're going to get like a big sponsor and we're going to do all these things, we're going to have to go nitro racing? Like, or did that conversation ever happen it's come up but if you guys know erica who's erica's walking right here trying to act like she doesn't see me um with her i think it's always been where the success of the career and the publicity and the money from it so didn't matter as much as what she wanted to do now if i had her talent and i was doing what she did i think i may have gone about it in a different mindset to where i'm chasing what's most successful and where we can get the most exposure, but that's why God gave her that left foot, not me. So hers was, and I think that's what makes her so good and so persistent is that she knew exactly what she wanted to do and it didn't matter if she made a dollar or not. Cause it's interesting. Cause I f- kind of feel like, you know, maybe where would Erica be if pro stock was the cl- the number one class, you know what I mean? Like if pro stock was the number one class at an NHRA national event 22 times a year, where would she be? Right. I mean, she would be considered our sports best ever potentially, Mm -hmm. you know, but I think because of, and and I'm a a door slammer guy, that's no secret, but I just want to have the conversation. Like I'm not taking sides one way or another, but I do find it interesting because that is one of our sports. It's like our Achilles heel to some extent is that our talent is spread across top fuel, funny car, pro stock, pro stock bike, pro mod, you know, and that's what I think the World Series of ProMod represents is so unique is that it's probably this one opportunity we're going to have to get the best and brightest from all those aforementioned categories in one place at one time on the same racetrack competing against one another. Does that make sense? Because that's what we're yeah. going for. Yeah. And and not that you asked this, but it struck this thought is with my time at flow too, something that I've learned of being a fly on the wall with all these guys who do crazy stuff and dirt and pavement and the NASCAR grassroots and stuff is 
we don't think drag racing is complicated, right? We think it's he who gets there first wins type stuff. But what we're doing, the way that they break the classes up, the body styles of cars, dial-ins, reaction times, staging, hole shots, like the things that we take for granted is just like A, B, C, D, E for us is so confusing. And what I'm finding is, is we're having a hard time getting the people who are into dirt or into pavement to pay attention to us because it's more complicated. Like somebody posted something the other day about uh, maybe a complimentator show. I think you're, you're inspiring folks, but a complimentator show coming on. And I think that's incredible, but I'm going to be that guy. I don't even understand comp. Right. And I try to understand comp and that's so hard to get a general person who just likes cars or thinks that they saw Leah on a show or, you know, Alexis affiliating them with this stuff. As soon as they start to watch it, they're going to be like, Oh, well, F this, I'm out. That's hard. Well, it's tough on a lot of levels. Cause if you even think about it, think if you're like managing the local news station, right. And they're in Dallas and you've got to do the Monday night news and you want to recap all the sporting events from the weekend. You can't even touch drag racing. No. Cause there's and too much shit to say. And it's, I think, yes, to your point, I think sometimes that's why they don't. Because if someone asks you who won the F1 race, Max Verstappen, one guy, right? Who won the NASCAR race? I don't know a NASCAR driver. Tony Stewart, right? I mean, and it's it's one, you know what I mean? It's a singular person. And I think that's been part of part of the problem with promoting drag racing in a lot of ways is that it's too much to say. Like if I'm a local yep. news anchor. I've got to spit out, well, Angie Smith won pro stock motorcycle and Erica Anders won pro stock and, you know, John Forrest won money car and Tony Schumann. And you've burnt up all the time that you have to discuss sports. So, again, why I'm so excited about World Series of Pro Mod and why I think it's significant in our sport is it's this unique opportunity that we're going to have for there to be a big drag race and there be one winner. Yep. One winner that's doing the the late night talk show rounds one winner that's getting to go to the white house right one person one champion to celebrate so anyways very interesting so what's new and exciting at flow i know you've got uh are you headed to the chili bowl what all do you have going on in the coming weeks uh no, I, no you're not i uh no i'm not i thought about it um, eric and i actually talked about this going for fun um but as you know this was last weekend was my first weekend home in 10 weeks no shit like including Christmas and all that. And I looked at my suitcase and it made me want to vomit. So I wanted to stay home and do nothing and I'll be watching it on flow and all that. And, and I, now I actually like know the guys on the TV and they're on the stream and all that. So it's fun, but we are Tyler Cross and I actually had an almost two and a half hour zoom call yesterday talking about stuff. One of the things I'm most excited about, and hopefully he won't hate me for speaking out of term here, but I'm so invested in this PDRA stuff this year of where, you know, we've got NHRA, they have their run of show, they have their stars. I'm going to be covering that on a content side um, for my sister, but also for Flo just being out there. But we're going to work really hard at creating a show for the PDRA and having way more things on the stream, but boots on the ground of maybe even, you know, media days and driver intros and things of that sort, but sort that creating stars and storylines within the PDRA and that's our top notch drag racing stuff um, because of the amount of races. I don't take anything away from the duck series. We get crazy amounts of subs and views from that. But when I can rinse and repeat, that's PDRA. And you've got a guy like Tyler who's just got ideas and ideas and ideas and way too much going on to be able to execute those. Me being an outlet and being able to have flow benefit for that stuff. That's 
that's kind of what I'm hungry for right now and got really excited talking with him about uh, the other day. But I'm going to be hitting all kinds of series, maybe at most, if not all, of the PDRA stuff, doing the top-end interview, but also on the content side. And and we've even grown since we've been there. We've got Kelsey and myself, but you're not going to see me on the stream as much, whereas I'm going to be going with a shooter editor and doing preset content pieces and diving into sponsors and bigger stories and and diving way more into fully produced pieces and we've hired guys like Don O'Neill announced yesterday that he's going to be the uh, the pit reporter so I'm, I'm able to give some of my friends some some love and, and be able to get more people who know drag racing invested into flow and I mean people can people say I get all I think I'm flow racing customer service or something because I get every note and every thought that anyone has but if you can't see that they are investing in the growth of drag racing, you're not looking and we're going to run into snafus and, and all the things, but like we've got a team of people who are just so excited about what we're doing. And I know that sounds cliche, but if you know me or follow me, like I would not, I've said it 10 times. I would not have given the keys to the Eric Anders castle up in the Richard Freeman castle. If I didn't truly think that we were going to blow that out of the water. And I told Eric earlier, you can come work for me whenever you're done. <laughs> No, it's, I'm telling you, the flow deal is really exciting for me as well. And it's, I had this conversation with Sam Corcus from Pilgrim Studios, uh, the, the, the mastermind behind Street Outlaws and No Prep Kings. And he, he uses the, the, the example that he gives so frequently that I find perfect. He talks about like the Winter Olympics. He goes, you turn on the Winter Olympics and nobody gives a shit about curling or whatever it is when they like slide that thing, you know, but they do a 15 minute little pre-package about some kid who come back from the brink and has battled some illness or whatever and is like a sixth generation curler and he's from sm some small town in Iowa and he's living his dream you know competing in the Olympics and all of a sudden you're on the edge of your seat you're to see what it. Jimmy's gonna do in curling right and that's where drag racing has like missed it in a lot of ways the focus has been so sharp on the cars and the cars are just I mean no pun intended but they're the vehicle Right. They're yeah. not they're not important they're not. as the people driving them. And to go back to what we talked about of it being complicated. Right. So if you are a gearhead, you're going to like racing no matter what it is. But if, if we create these stars and create storylines for people like you and I have banged our head against the wall with this last 10 years. But people like who aren't interested in it, the wives. And I don't mean it is in a feministic way, but it's just the way that it is. The wives, the girlfriends, the daughters of people who like this are going to watch because they're going to be like, oh, well, I saw that social media piece on this kid and then want to chase it and see, you know, how they did. And, and what I love about Flow is, is it's the internet, right? So we can say and do all the things that we want. And so we can concentrate on some of the negatives and some of the things that we've been trained to steer away from even though it's what people want and we don't want people to crash or fight or any of that stuff but that's a part of what we do and being able to, to talk about it and dive more into it and they've given me like my boss has said these words to me he's like it's your playground figure it out and I've got you know your shows on there we've got Cameron Foray I just got him to sign up to do a, a blog for us and doing some of his stuff I want to get people I don't care if you win a thousand races like blah blah Eric Andrews you can win as many races as you want we're going to hear about you. What about the people who are just gritting it out, trying to make it? And if 10,000 eyeballs see a piece and one of those 10,000 eyeballs is somebody that wants to commit to this guy, like we're bringing them in. And so they're allowing me to, to reach to people who aren't everyday names and household names to grow the sport of drag racing within it. And I don't think any other 
company or outlet that I've worked with would do that and say, if they're not winning races, we're not going to talk about them. And yeah, except I'm for just, Drag I'm Illustrated. Doing that. Except for Drag Illustrated, but that's why I've always hitched my trailer to your gear. Yeah, yeah no, and I, I, I think you're exactly right because we need more stories being told. This is the, being told. This is a community that I believe is comprised of the salt of the earth. Like all the coolest people yep. I know go drag racing. And it's crazy to me how few of their stories have broken through. How many, how few of their stories are widely Dude, known. Cool stories. Like where I'm at right now, I saw some guy in the comments said the boots are cringe. Like, there is a four car team that is being fully supported by selling these boots behind us and they're shopping Mexico and what we're going to be doing. We've got some announcements coming with being able to, to merchandise some stuff, but it's, it's just how people make drag racing happen. Like you said a few minutes ago with Mike and them, it costs more to run a top fuel car than it's worth to sponsor it for. And so these guys have to be independently wealthy. Well, each one of them has a story and whether you like cowboy boots or leather jackets or whatever, like, how crazy is it that those two worlds collide and then we're going to be able to sell more boots simply by putting a race or a race car on the racetrack. And so those kinds of stories of the hows and the whys, and if you're my friend, I say that all the time. I love a why, I love a how. And those kinds of stories, they, they interest me and my bosses have given me the leeway to whether it interests them or not, pay attention to them. So PSA, you got a cool story, hit me up. Well, hey, we'll leave it at that because that's exactly what needs to happen. More stories yep. being told uh, by everybody in media. So, Courtney, thank you for the time. I know you got other stuff to do. So thanks for spending a little bit of time with us on a Wednesday afternoon. I'm sure we will be seeing you soon. And we can't wait to see you down in uh, beautiful Bradenton, Florida for the World oh my Series. Gosh. Of I'm so excited about it. I can't wait. I agree with everything Jeff said. It's going to be freaking awesome. It's going to be lit. Thanks, Courtney. Yes. Tell everybody hello and we'll talk to you soon. Ladies and I gentlemen, will. Courtney Enders. See you, Wes. See ya. What do you think, guys? We've, uh, man, we have covered, I got to tell you, I do really feel like this show, I'm so proud of what we do each and every week. And I'm glad to be back, you know, in the saddle, rocking and rolling here a couple. couple oh, saddle. And then you had the yeah. boots. Oh, yeah, man. I, yeah. I see what you're doing. I live yeah. in Texas. Vehicle. Giddy up. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah man, we, uh -huh. Oh, man, you guys were killing it with that. Yeehaw. Yeah. No, that's it. Yeah. Was a, that was an interesting, interesting conversation and talking about the gateway dirt thing and then especially the chili bowl. And I saw some comments. Why are we talking about dirt racing? And specifically the Chili Bowl, that's an event. I have never watched it, but I intend to this year because everybody I know in drag racing is on Facebook or wherever talking about the I Chili Bowl. And it's, and, it's, and it's one of those racing events that transcends your specific genre of racing and drag racers are into it. Everybody's into it. You've got big stars that are, you know, stepping down, so to speak, to race that that event because it is just like a, a one-off big event that galvanizes the whole racing industry. So you, you could, there's definitely a lot to be learned from from that, and I mean, I'm interested to watch it, and I'm kind of embarrassed to admit that I've never watched it. I, I got to be honest, I've only watched like highlight videos and stuff, and I watch yeah. I watch a lot of that stuff looking for you know, ideas on signage and how they're doing some logo integration, things like that. But there's a comment here from somebody that's like, we want to be MPK so bad. It's hilarious. And I think that's hilarious because it, people tend Who's, to forget who that wants the, to be MPK. I don't know who that's aimed at necessarily, but it's funny because th this isn't drag racing's first rodeo with like a popular TV show. Like people tend to forget that pinks was the second coming of Christ for 10 years or whatever. And then, you know, I, for me, if I'm, if there's something that we're chasing and if that's aimed at me, 
we're chasing the chili bowl because you literally yeah, just, just that guy that guy's just a troll he's he's been no, but you, you're outlining yeah. you're outlining exactly what i think we need to be trying to achieve with world series of pro mod is creating something that transcends that crosses boundaries that it it's attractive to if you're a drag racing fan or enthusiast or competitor of any shape or size I want this event to speak to you somehow. I want you to feel like you've got a guy or a gal that's representing your community. And that's why we've we made some really tough decisions. I mean, right now, I mean, you think about guys, World Series of Pro Mod invitees like Scott Palmer and Alex Laughlin. I mean, they've both been out of the thick of Pro Mod competition for a while, but I see those as NHRA Nitro representative. That's how I see them. To JT's point, the last several months about World Series being an all-star race they're coming and they're representing that Nitro team, that NHRA Nitro community. And I'm hoping that their that NHRA Nitro fan base supports them in this, oh, right? And, 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 and it wants will. to cheer them on. Yep. Yeah, I think it will, for sure. And, and there's one-off races. I mean, it, it's like with any sport, you know, a lot of people don't follow football. A lot of people don't follow baseball, but they watch the World Series. They watch the Super Bowl. They don't follow college football, but they watch the national championship game. Um, they don't pay attention at all through basketball season they tune in for march madness you know because they fill the bracket yep. out or whatever but yeah that's what we want we want this to be we want we want the guys from the chili bowl to be tuning in to the world series of pro mod eventually you know because they realize that everybody from different walks of of the drag racing community are all meeting up to all race pro mods for one race yeah yeah, I, good point. I, yeah fantastic point man i i couldn't be more excited about it i I feel like in a lot of ways, like the stars and moon are line aligning with this event. It's interesting here. I'm seeing a comment that I think is uh, interesting. MK is saying from YouTube, thanks for watching along on YouTube. Uh, we're finding that a large percentage of our viewership, it's, it's, it's trending way towards YouTube. So who knows what the future holds? But anyways, he's saying, as a millennial, nobody I know cares about dragsters or even NASCAR stockish bodied cars going really fast gets their attention, though. Killer point. And I think there's some truth to that. I've argued for a long time that while I'm a big fan of the spectacle that is nitro racing, 11,000 horsepower, header flames, 300 miles per hour, all these things, very cool, no doubt about it. But most people are so far removed from driving or like that's not even on their radar, but at least when they see a 69 Chevelle, you know, or they see a 68 Camaro or a 63 Corvette, like it's, they immediately go, Oh, I know what that is. I know what kind of car that is. Or, you know, there's a lot of different ways to buy in to pro mod style drag racing or door car drag racing. A lot of people pointed almost like with, without anything else being factored in to Donald Long's success, being the cars being relatable. I mean, for the longest time, JT, that was what, I mean, before that's, you that's got what, to be yep. well-versed in all the different characters, you were like, oh, it's cool to see what looks like a stock Mustang. It is, because you can that's what ProMod started with, too. Yeah, and you but walk that, by it and you go, you go, man, I think me and my buddies could probably throw something like that together. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, and that's what's cool about it, though, because you relate to that. Yeah, well, the th I agree. And, and, the, and the thing about fuel racing, JT, you were you were saying it to start there that it doesn't translate on TV. So yeah. much of it of the experience is lost on TV. Whereas no prep kings, pinks, you know the original street outlaws, what you name it, any racing show, it's much easier to translate those types of cars to uh, to 
the the mainstream audience much less of it is lost and i think that that's what we're struggling with because everything has to be social like like packaged for social media packaged for tv and you can't it's hard to do that with nitro racing yeah yeah and i gotta be honest i think that like street out if you remember like midway through 2022 there were all these rumblings that we were going to see some top fuel cars running in street outlaws no prep kings and i I have real reservations about that because I don't think you want to introduce anything that is going to one up the stars of your show. Cause I'll tell you right now, you can come down to the world series of pro mod. You ain't going to see no top fuel cars. You ain't going to see anything that would even come close to outperforming or being cooler or more impactful than a pro mod car. Cause you got to be careful with that. Yeah outshine yeah you you can't really let that happen i mean it's because you're expecting too much of your fans at that point you're expecting yeah. them to understand all these nuances and understand that this car is on nitro and that car is on alcohol and understand that that car has got this crazy long wheelbase and this one doesn't none of them know that they don't know they don't care right i mean there's no chance of that of them maybe a hardcore fan that's been around for a while but someone who's shown up for one race I mean, you put a car on the track that's really loud, blows my eardrums out, makes me cry. I can't breathe, and it runs 300 miles per hour, twice as fast as anything else on the property. I'm going to have a hard time getting excited about them other guys again. You know I, I what bet, I mean? I bet they do, though, at some point, do it. And and it might, might be good. Um, you know, the only thing I can the think The only about way it's good is, is if any trains are packed, in my opinion. And I say the stands are packed, and these guys. You know, a lot, a lot of these fans are just people that watch it on TV, and this might give them a little bit of taste of what it, what's over at the NHRA. And so maybe they do tune in next time. So, I mean, that's, that, that's, I guess that's the only other point that I could see on it. But Yeah, I mean, I think that an argument could be made that if NHRA was like, hey, like what's a good example? The NHRA national events coming up in Topeka, and I don't know if this is a good one, but – you know, no prep Kings is in St. Louis or no prep Kings is in Tulsa. We're going to send two of our NHRA cars. We're going to give away a bunch of tickets and we're going to have like a really focused effort to capture, to transfer some of those fans that I could probably get on board with where it's being, it's a conscious effort to say, Hey, you guys have a whole bunch of fans that are new motorsports fans, likely have never been to Indy, don't even know what it, the U.S. Nationals are. So it, it's important to maybe s try to set a hook with those guys and gals. But if you it's just... so, wouldn't it? You <laughs> think, <laughs> this you know? is pretty simple. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I, I just... It kind of floors me that they haven't even haven't tried that yet, so... Yeah, it, it is a little bit of a surprise that that hasn't happened. However, it does speak to one of the issues that existed in our sport for so long that it's like so segmented. Like everybody's, I always joke that it's like a high school hallway. You know, there's all these different cliques and they only care about their clique. And, and I'm hoping that we can introduce a little bit of a fresh perspective that what's good for this group is good to all these, uh, you know, good for all these groups, right? What's good yep. for radio racing is good for pro mod racing. And what's good for prep drag racing is good for no prep racing and so on and so forth. Guys, hell of a show. Appreciate the time as always. I know we got plenty of do. Uh, plenty to do getting ready for the World Series of Pro Mod. I want to remind you guys, log on to worldseriesofpromod.com. Get your tickets. Our VIP tickets will 100% sell out likely by the end of, if not this week, hopefully sometime next. Yeah, they're selling um, fast. They're, I'm in the VIP like, I'm genuinely crazy. proud of myself. Yep. Like, I, I'm proud if, of if, us. If you want to go and, and do the VIP deal, you better get on it Like right after this and show. We actually have some really cool stuff coming together that's going to take our VIP experience to even a 
uh, ratchet it up to a, a new level, man. Very, yeah, I'm gonna, very. I'm going to buy you a Coors Light. <laughs> Me? Yeah, personal no, beer the with JT. Person. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's yeah. a great idea. JT's going to throw a rager on Thursday night. That's fine. <laughs> this uh, Randall Rutherf- Randall Rutherford on YouTube. Uh, saying one day possibly let everyone fill out a bracket similar to March Madness for World Series of ProMime. That's a good idea, yeah. but we're actually going to do something similar to that with win light bets, right? I mean, yep. as far as being able to participate and pick who you think is going to win uh, yep. each round and the overall event. Yeah, I think it's going to be fantastic. And we'll have Rex on sometime. Yeah, before. we need to get Rex on to, yep. to give us some details on how that's going to work. And that's going to be kind of a new thing. And anything you can do to engage more I think that's a great point. That's something we've taken a look at and are excited to do. Yep. I, the only thing that we're not doing that I have that I kind of wish we were, uh, but you have to do things differently is one of my favorite things that we ever did was the in 2017 when during the World Series of Pro Mod at Vandermeer Speedway when JT and I drew all the names out of the hat a month before the race. Yeah. And that was such a rare situation where Mike Janis knew that he was racing Stevie Fast Jackson in E1 on Thunder Mountain with $100,000 on the line, and they had a month to stew on it. I did like that. That I was, really and, you know, but our field has expanded so much now, and we've gotten to a point where it's a qualified show. So it would be, it would be very hard to execute it, but. I'm telling you, don't think I haven't thought about finding a way to uh, to make that happen again. So anyways, guys, I want to thank each and every one of you. We can't do this show without all of you. Makes all the difference in the world having you guys chime in, click like, click share, click subscribe, and again, help us spread the gospel of Drag Race. So remember to tune in next Wednesday, 2 p.m. Central Standard Time. We announce our guests early in the week, so stay stay tuned to all the Drag Illustrated social media channels. All sorts of news coming this week, next, and uh, on to the first weekend of March when we kick uh, the tires and light the fires at the World Series of Pro Mod. Thank you, guys. JT, Mike, appreciate you. Thanks, yep, later, y'all. Boom, boom, boom. Let me play my music. Hold on. I almost had it timed perfectly. Okay. Hold on. There we go. Okay, now, go. now you push the mic away. Shows up. Uh, <laughs> uh.